This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. The third Republican primary debate takes center stage in Florida with just five candidates on stage. That group includes Governor Ron DeSantis, Senator Tim Scott, and former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. The five candidates hope to become the clear alternative to former President Trump. A recent CBS News poll found 61% of likely GOP primary voters have indicated they will vote for Mr. Trump. Mr. Ramaswamy, uh, we've talked about this. You campaign on TikTok. How do you get TikTok banned if you use it? Well, I, I, I want to laugh at why Nikki Haley didn't answer your question, which is about looking at families in the eye. In the last debate, she made fun of me for actually joining TikTok while her own daughter was actually using the app for a long time. So you might want to take care of your family first. Leave my daughter out of your voice. The next generation of Americans are using it. And that's actually the point. You have her supporters crapping her up. That's fine. Here's the truth. You're just the easy Ivanka Trump on the witness stand. The former president's daughter was called to testify by the attorney general in the civil fraud case brought against the Trump real estate empire. Ivanka Trump is the last of the former president's children to testify and the last witness that the attorney general's office plans to call in this civil fraud trial. Already, her testimony and her whole demeanor has been in stark contrast to that of her father's. Ivanka, she's been calm, concise, polite, even smiled at the judge. There are at least two ways that Ivanka Trump's testimony is different compared to the other Trumps. One, she is no longer a defendant, unlike her brothers and father. The second way this testimony is different is that Ivanka is not on the defense's witness list. So the state has just this one chance to question her. She will attempt to distance herself from the company. But unfortunately, Shut the up. facts will reveal that in fact that she was very much involved. Mayor Adams taking questions from reporters about the FBI's raid last week at his chief fundraiser's home. Federal investigators looking into whether the mayor's campaign received illegal foreign donations. She outraised every other fundraiser that was in the race. She worked hard. She learned. Mayor Eric Adams on his top fundraiser, Brianna Suggs. Last week, FBI agents raided the home of Suggs. According to the search warrant, the FBI is investigating whether the Adams 2021 mayoral campaign conspired with the KSK Construction Company of Brooklyn to funnel foreign money into the campaign by way of a straw donor scheme. And while agents left with several boxes, the mayor, confident and insistent that no wrongdoing has occurred by way of a directive that's been in place since before day one. And what I stated, we must always follow the rules because we knew that our campaign will always be scrutinized. And so we wanted to make sure we were above reproach. It's official. The actor's strike is over after 118 days. SAG-AFTRA has reached a tentative agreement on a new three-year contract with the studios and streamers. SAG-AFTRA announced that the union's TV theatrical committee approved the agreement in a unanimous vote on Wednesday. The deal will go to the union's national board on Friday for approval. The Performers Union announced the provisional agreement on Wednesday after about two weeks of renewed negotiations. The development came not long before a deadline of 5 p.m. that the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers had set for the union to give their answer on whether they had a deal. So far, the union is keeping quiet on the details of the agreement, which will likely emerge in the next few days prior to the union's ratification vote. If the deal is ratified, the contract could soon go into effect, and if not, members would essentially send their labor negotiators back to the bargaining table with the AMPTP. I gotta tell you, Benny, it is great to be back on the 4th of July. You think they do the down in Florida? Look, you got a bottle rocket. I'm sure. 
How's Ronaldo doing? I tell you, it's like a miracle. The guy is doing so much better. In fact, he may be at the hospital as early as next week. That's great. Please send him my love. I don't have to. You can do it yourself. He's coming back to Brooklyn. With or without the blessing of that Long Island, he's coming back to Brooklyn. a great scene right there. That would be the ninth and final episode of Grey's End Season 2. That's me and William DeMeo, the writer, creator, director, and star. He plays uh, Benny Z. Of course, I play Dave Busco. And uh, it's in Brooklyn. We filmed that scene on West Street in the Gravesend section of Brooklyn. In fact, in that scene, you see me and Willie at this big 4th of July celebration in Brooklyn. In fact, I'm wearing the same exact sport jacket I'm wearing this morning, this uh, beautiful blue jacket. I was wearing a pink shirt that day. I'm wearing yellow this morning. But you can see me and Benny, Willem DeMeo, start to walk towards this big table, and that table is the crew, you know, Chris Marmondo and Peter Gordio and Bo Deedle and Fat Tommy, the whole crew. And right behind the table, you can see... Danielle and Gabriel Rosenberg, they're actually in the scene. In fact, when the scene started, when we uh, started to tape it, Danielle was on her cell phone. And Willie, right in the middle of the scene, starts yelling, hey, put the phone down. Because, of course, the Gravesend series is supposed to be 1985. There were no cell phones in 1985. So they warned all of the quote-unquote extras not to have anything with them that looks more like 2022 and not 1985. So Gabe was all upset that Willie yelled at Danielle, but he kind of figured out afterwards it was all part of the day. But it's a great scene. It is a great mob drama. Again, season two doing very, very well. And as I told you guys a couple of days ago, I have recently been contacted by Paul Borghese, one of the guys that uh, writes and directs along with Willie, Peter Gordio, and others that we are getting very, very close to start shooting season three. And I believe my first scenes, much like season two, will be in Miami, where I shot a couple of great scenes, as you saw, Lewis, with Andrew Dice Clay, which is in the second episode. That was the ninth. That was back in Brooklyn. But that that tennis scene in episode two is a great scene. I'll you got to admit that, I'll right? I'll never play tennis again. Never again. Because you may get whacked in the head with a racket. Yeah. So we may be uh, shooting that soon, but everything was on hold. 
you know, I made this uh, great movie, Inside Man. It was first called Gemini Lounge out in Los Angeles a couple of years ago with Danny A. Danny A's had an amazing career. This kid is in his 40s. Holy Rollers, The Iceman, Wolf of Wall Street, The Irishman, Inside Man, Mob Town, Lansky, The Jackie Ryan Story, all part of his IMDb. So he makes this great movie about the Gemini Lounge, and he, he actually gets me a role, thanks to guys like Heshi Organbaum and Bo. And um, it was a great role. I played Dracula, Roy DeMeo's cousin, and it was just a heck of a lot of fun. And now he's talking about making another movie about those two mob cops from uh, New York. You know those guys. But everything was put on hold, whether it's Danny A or Gravesend or other opportunities that came my way because I had lots of momentum after the summer. Don't forget, Gravesend and Inside Man basically came out at the same time. And they're both right now still doing well on Amazon Prime. Gravesend is a TV series. Inside Man is a movie, which we actually saw in a movie theater on Avenue H in Brooklyn. So I had two scripts. I had great momentum. I'm not claiming to be the next Robert De Niro, not even close. But I had a lot of really big actors. Big actors reach out to me and say, Sid, I know you're the king of radio, but you're not bad. You're actually a pretty good actor. And then it died with the strike. But the strike looks like it's over. And I think um, Fran Drescher, who was in season two of Gravesend as well, believe it or not, she's also going to be in season three. But, of course, most known for that great TV series, The Nanny, she is the president of uh, of our union. And uh, she was very, very strong the whole time, nearly 120 days about not caving in and getting the actors what they wanted. And I think she's getting some some appeal from these actors and other folks throughout the country today. Isn't that right, Noam? I would, I would say that's correct. I mean, the, you remember the strike began back on July 17th, and you're talking not just about the wealthy actors, but really the majority of this union is people who work. They don't know where the next job is coming from. Oh, they so make have, no money. They're yeah. like uh, grips and even caterer. Who knows who these poor people are? Yeah, and the the surrounding right, surrounding businesses have been devastated. The, you know, makeup people, the people who cook meals, they've all been laid off, and they haven't worked since July either. So you're talking about tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people who will go back to work now. And the most important one is me, of course. That yeah, number one, of yeah, course. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, that's a big story. And again, Danny A will join us coming up at nine thirty. You know, I booked Danny A two days ago because even though he's a big time actor and maybe the most successful young director in Hollywood right now, he's Israeli born, and he uh, he has been on fire on his Instagram. He's the guy that got. Um, what is that kid's name again? Uh, Buzali, uh, Nick, uh, the, the kid that um, he's uh, Australian descent. He's in Israel right now. Big time actor. Has like two and a half million followers on Instagram. Danny Nate A. Buzalik. Nate Buzalik. Nate Buzalik. Thank you, Justin. It was Danny A who got Nate Buzalik to come on this show. So I booked him two days ago to talk about Israel. But now that the strike looks like it's over, what a great day to talk to Danny A., and he'll be here at 9.30. But in terms of news, I have to tell you, folks, I did not watch one second of this debate. Fox News led with it. Why is that? Because they aired it. It's a joke. These people have no chance 
I keep going back to this real argument I had with a very nice Jewish couple from Cedarhurst. Very nice. And they were yelling at me, basically, that Nikki Haley is the best choice and she can win. And I'm like, folks, stop it. She may be your best choice. She can't win. The latest poll has 64% of Republicans saying they're voting for Trump. He is murdering everybody. The best Haley can do is tie DeSantis for second in Iowa. She's got no chance. Yeah, but if she's the only one who could beat Biden. Oh, really? Have you looked at the polls lately? Five of the six major swing states outside of Wisconsin, Donald Trump has a sizable lead. In some of those states, a double-digit lead. So we need to stop with DeSantis and Haley. It's over. The primaries now, folks, are two months away. The election is less than a year away. There's nothing that can happen. He's been indicted five times. He's on his way to jail. There's nothing that can happen that's going to change this. Because Americans realize when he was president, which Haley's never been, which DeSantis has never been, which Tim Scott has never been, when he was president, things were great. Until the Chinese unleashed that virus on us. And people want things to be great again. And that's why with all these lawsuits and legal issues we don't care we want trump back so they have these debates with these idiots five idiots i mean you got vivek and nikki haley going back and forth i think you said that haley called vivek scum i think it was the other way around I think Vivek called Haley scum. No, no, it was Nikki. Cl- Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. Nikki called because Vivek brought up her daughter. Right, and talking keep about TikTok. my daughter out of your mouth. And then at the end, very end, she just whispers scum. Okay, that was her then. Yeah. It was Will Smith when you need him. But uh, the point is, this is what it's come down to. Five people yelling at each other, and they have no chance of winning. And they're going to do a fourth one. In the meantime, Donald Trump is down the road. That was in Miami, that debate. He's in Hialeah the home of my former producer, Victor Bermudez, he's got like thousands of people there, thousands, talking about the border and foreign policy. You've got Haley and DeSantis saying Trump is getting the weak in the knees on foreign policy. What are they talking about? Somebody tell me. And guess whose audio you have not heard on this show in months. And guess whose audio you will never hear on this show, maybe ever again, one of the five idiots on stage last night. And I kind of like Nikki, and I don't like Vivek. Tim Scott is harmless, but please give me a break. The one guy up there I really have disdain for is fat, stupid Chris Christie. And I will never play any Chris Christie audio because he's got the same garbage every debate, too. Just find a way to trash Donald Trump. So in the meantime, Trump is our only savior. He's our only hope. That's it. And these five people who have no chance take their opportunities about once a month to savage him. If they had any brains, any of these folks, they would (laughs) unite with Trump. Maybe they'll get a job. Now, Haley had a job with Trump, and she blew it, backstabbed him 15 times. But if you're Tim Scott, you're not going to be president, not this year, not any year. And I know Tim doesn't engage in that nonsense. But, man, what a waste of time. Did you watch even one second? Be honest, Noam, even one second of that. 
uh, I did not watch it live. I watched part of it when I walked well, of course. in this morning. Right. You heard the cuts. Yeah. In the meantime, Donald Trump, he's out there. Now, that's something you need to watch because he's going to win. In fact, he said it. Every time I'm indicted, guess who that's good for? You folks. Lou Rapino, my man, Donald Trump, cut number 13. Every time I'm indicted, I consider it a great badge of honor because I'm being indicted for you. Thanks a lot, everybody. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm being indicted for you. And never forget our enemies want to take away my freedom because I will never, ever, ever let them take away your freedom. I won't let it happen. And he goes on to attack the people we should be attacking today. Not Donald Trump, stupid. He's on our side. We should be attacking Jew haters, people that were just censured, people like Elon Omar and Rashida Tlaib. And that's what Donald Trump did last night. Lewis, Donald Trump, cut number 14. In Washington, D.C., pro-jihadist demonstrators climbed up the fence in front of the White House. Excuse me, that I built. I built it. You know, the fence... Wasn't too good. The one that they had up there was falling apart, and we built it. Titanium, it's the strongest stuff, and they damaged the fence, and they damaged police vehicles. They desecrated statues of Ben Franklin and other great heroes of our country, and they shouted Allah Akbar while calling the barbaric Hamas terrorists martyrs, they were saying martyrs. In times like these, you can't afford to have a president who wants to be politically correct. We have to do things properly. We cannot have an administration that takes foreign policy advice from Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib. Can't do that. He's right about that, an administration taking advice. And if it's not those two animals, it's Obama. If you don't think Barack Obama has some say in this White House right now, You're somewhere between naive and stupid and closer to the latter. And why is that bad news for people like me and Norm? And quite frankly, every American and every Jew. Because Obama hates the Jews. You know he does. You know he does. Reverend Wright, his buddy, Farrakhan, his buddy, pallets of cash. The last executive decision Barack Obama made at about 4 o'clock in the morning before he left Washington, D.C., was to send a pallet of cash to the Palestinians, which goes directly to Hamas, and he knows that. And who's his little student? The President of the United States right now, this idiot Joe Biden. Joe Biden is a dummy. There's only one way to go here, folks. It ain't both sides. It ain't both sides. You're either with us or you're against us. Was that in Meatballs with uh, Bill Murray, Lou? That uh, you're either let's or Animal House? Something like that. Yeah, Maybe it was was Animal House. Yes, of course, right before the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor. Harbor. Who could forget that? That was a terrible day. (laughs) That was brilliant. Belushi at his best. So here's Elise Stefanik. I do like her. For some reason, she's only been on once. Well, I, 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 I stopped keeping score, I guess. I, I don't care anymore. If I like you, I like you. I'm not going to be a baby about this. And if you don't come on the show, I'm not going to like you. That's very immature. And I'm trying not to be that way. That's very, very big of you. Thank you. But it's she's almost, only been on once. She's only been on once. Yeah, I, it's almost like as great as titanium steel. That good. So here's Elise. And she's saying all the right things, baby. You're either with Israel 
or you're not. Cut number two. On this issue of standing with Israel and these families, there can be no moral equivocation. As Israel's Prime Minister Netanyahu stated last week, this war is, quote, between the forces of civilization and the forces of barbarism. It is a time for everyone to decide where they stand, end quote. Got to like that, at least the phonics. So we are off to a firing start here. Noam Layden, Lou Rapino, Justin Ellick in New York City with a great guest list about to come your way. My man, nobody better, the icon, the legend, live in studio as he is every weekday morning, Curtis Sliwa at the very top of the 7 o'clock hour. Then you'll hear from Judge Andrew Napolitano, defense attorney Joe Tacopina, big-time actor Danny A., How about this? It's a Thursday. Bill O'Reilly is going to be here. And finally, calling me live from Wales, just outside of London this morning at 8.15, my beautiful and brilliant law student daughter, Ava Rosenberg, back on the show. It's a big Thursday morning, folks, on your favorite show in New York City. We are sitting friends in the morning exclusively on Talk Radio 77 WABC.
How much you really like this song? Rumors, I heard it this morning on the way in. I texted Lou. It's about 4.48 a.m. I said, you got to play Rumors. Say, give me some more of this. This is uh, Rumors, I believe, the Timex Social Club. Come on. Last night, I guess, was the Country Music Awards, and I had seen the previews and commercials leading up to it for weeks, and I believe that the MCs last night were Paisley, uh, what's those, Paisley, Brad Paisley and Peyton Manning? Yes, Peyton Manning does it now frequently. Yeah. Yeah. I guess he's a big, um, I know, look, he went to school in Tennessee, he went to school in Nashville which is, of course, country music's home. So I think it was Paisley and Manning. And I saw moments ago on Fox News, the new artist. And I like country music now. I hated it as a kid. It was Luke, hated it. It was Luke Bryan, by the way. It wasn't Brad Paisley. Oh, Luke Bryan. Okay. Luke uh, Bryan, doesn't he also do um, uh, the, uh, the, the Lionel Richie and Katy yeah, Perry? Um, uh, Bill, uh, American Idol. American Idol, yeah. So he's a big star. Yeah. He's I think good. Luke Bryan was uh, performing, too, when that uh, maniac Stephen Paddock yeah, he murdered was. 57 people in Las Vegas. Luke Bryan's the man. Anyway, so I never like country music. Now I like it. I do. These are real Americans. In fact, Veterans Day is coming up Saturday. Beautiful day, Veterans Day. So we're going to celebrate it tomorrow because we don't work on Saturdays. And uh, we're going to bring Lee Greenwood back on the show tomorrow. He was in studio singing that great patriotic song a year ago. He's going to call in tomorrow. we got some great guests coming in tomorrow. My dear friend uh, Tom Sullivan, he runs for office in Queens every couple of years. He's a real hero. Served in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Kuwait. Also calling in will be uh, Thomas Kniff. Thomas Kniff happens to be Daniel Penny's attorney. He also served in Afghanistan and Iraq. We're going to talk to Colonel Jack Jacobs. He served in Vietnam. So we got an array of amazing, heroic men who served in different wars, coming on tomorrow. But uh, country music, to me, is about as patriotic as it gets. So I just saw on the screen the new artist of the year for country music is this fat guy. Not even fat, I don't care. And his name is Jelly Roll, which is funny because he really is fat. But what annoyed me about the guy is not the fact that he's fat. I don't care about fat. He's got a million tattoos. Now, I don't like tattoos. I'm sorry, I've got a fan out there, Nicole. She's tattoo-ridden, and she always gets upset when I say this. But I'm just not a big tattoo guy. But I can live with it, live with it, barely if it's on your body. This fat, stupid bastard, the new artist <laughs> of the year, has tattoos all over his face. Depends on your body, too, which uh, That doesn't matter. I mean, how you know, ask Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson is so upset that he put the tattoo on his face and then you get to, who's the other guy? I actually like uh, a couple of his songs. He He's a very, very famous. He performed at the Barclay a couple of years ago, New Year's Eve. But come on, he's... Um, what what genre? Um, uh, da, 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 good question. Rock. Yeah, it's more like uh, pop huh. oh. than it is rock. Just... He's got tattoos all over his face. He, everybody knows who the guy is. Oh, he... uh, Post Malone. Post Malone, that's yeah. right. Yeah, you just look terrible. It, uh, who out there goes, yeah, that looks good? 
a cross and a knife on your face. Yeah, that looks good. It's just. I mean, I understand you're tortured in some respect, or you hate your parents, or maybe your uncle threw you one too many, but my God, keep the tattoos off your face. And that doesn't just come off. No. It looks dirty, disgusting, gross. So he now won New Artist of the Year, but I could never, ever, ever like the guy. I can't like him. Mm, I can't do yeah. it. Well, can't do it. Okay. Uh, again, he's I, good. I you you would like him. He's actually very. He good. has a ta- he has ta- not a tattoo, multiple yeah. tattoos on his face. By the way, when he went up to accept his award, he thanked his wife, and they did a nice tight shot of his wife, who was just drop dead gorgeous. Oh yeah, does she have tattoos yeah. on her no, face? She of course. No, she does. She's drop dead gorgeous. Yeah. Don't oh, stop it. You're kidding, no, I right? I kid you not. Because he's a fat tattoo. <laughs> I mean, look looks like hell. Well, that never matters. Are you kidding? Right, if you have money and you're uh, famous. Are you kidding? Yeah. If he was picking up the garbage around the block. No, I know. She I mean, look, let's be honest. I'm not exactly Brad Pitt either. And Danielle is gorgeous. Gorgeous. So I'm another example of a guy that pretty much outkicked my coverage. But this guy, he's like 400 pounds with tattoos on his face. Yeah, she's she has tattoos. Oh, she though. does on yeah. her arms. Oh, no, yeah. there you go. On See, they always not on her face. It's though. like no. a cult. They're together. Tattoo people end up together. You very rarely see a woman with tattoos or the guy that doesn't have tattoos, because most people are turned off by that, God, except for he, the folks that have them. He is big. Too. He's huge. Oh, he's Jesus. big. <laughs> what's big his, with uh, all what, of these tattoos? What's his most famous song? This song? Uh, I I won't be able to come up with it, but you'd like him. You know, it's like I don't good like country him, music. No, I don't you, like him. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna find one. He for looks. You. He looks like hell. I, I can't take that. I just don't like the way it looks. It's not a good example to set for kids out there to put tattoos on your face. I know I sound like an old Jewish guy who gets mad when the kids piss in the pool in Delray Beach, but it just doesn't look good. It looks dirty and nasty and stupid. Does it not? <laughs> just the, his whole look does not look good. Oh my though. god! It just he has. A, I saw one with a button-down shirt on, and he just looks like he would be down in your basement putting your boiler in. Exactly. Or, yeah. A, and, a, and by the way, that guy was in my basement. I'd be scared to death, yeah, just right. so you know. <laughs> I'd be scared to death. I mean, is there any reason you can't just look like, what's her name, the uh, the blonde chick who um, sings a song about uh, taking out the headlight with a baseball bat? Yeah, Carrie Underwood. Yeah, Carrie Underwood. What's wrong with looking like that? <laughs> just being pretty. <laughs> I don't understand. No. Why do you got to go out of your way to look really gross? <laughs> I don't get it. Not anyway, it's God bless them. To see the two of them together, it looks <laughs> yeah. so weird. It does, right? Yeah, because yeah. he just looks like the shirt doesn't fit, right? And he's got his arm around her, and she's got a huge. By the way, if you would have asked me at some point yesterday, with all that's going on in the world today, what are the odds that I spent a good three and a half minutes talking about some guy named Jelly Roll? <laughs> <laughs> But that's the beauty of the Sid and Friends show. You just don't know. Uh, why is he batting third? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Boomer, long-time listener, first-time caller. Traffic with Joe Nolan coming up next. Right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and get the max out of mini. Today's minicast is from the Greg Kelly Show. Here, Greg talks about our mutual friend, President Donald Trump. Joe Biden losing in some key swing states by a lot to Donald Trump. You know, 
we're done talking with it. It was news uh, Sunday into Monday. Probably shouldn't be because this uh, still is sending shockwaves all over the Democrat universe, especially the Democrat rich guys. They are freaking out. Uh, they are desperate to make a change. They have a huge problem on their hands because Joe Biden is convinced he's the only one. He's the only Democrat in the world who can beat Donald Trump. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oh, now. You know you got everybody looking. Boom in my big truck. Gonna open up the doors and turn it up. Gonna stomp my boots in the Georgia mud. Gonna watch you make me fall in love. Get up on the hood of my daddy's tractor. Up on the toolbox, it don't matter. Down on the tailgate, girl, I can't wait to watch you do your thing. Shake it for the young bucks sitting in the honky tonks. For the rednecks rocking till the break of dawn. The DJ spinning that country song. Come on, come on, come on. Shake it for the birds, shake it for the bees, shake it for the catfish swimming down. In the creek for the crickets and the critters in this world. Shake it to the moon, shake it for me, girl. All country girl, shake it for me, girl. I remember going to a um, a club on the West Side Highway many, many years ago, early 1990s. It was called Amazon. It's a big deal on the West Side Highway. This is Luke Bryan, by the way. I love Luke Bryan. And uh, I was going to meet this girl. Her name uh, Danielle Khan. And I remember she was wearing a pair of jean shorts and cowboy boots to her knees. And I remember thinking, oh, my God. Hey, this girl's not going to like me. There's no way. But if she does, I got to marry this girl. That's all it took. A pair of jean shorts and cowboy boots to the knees. And I say that because, and of course, Danielle Kahn is now Danielle Kahn Rosenberg. She's a beautiful girl, gorgeous, and uh, was then and still is. But I say that because I remember when I was working in Palm Beach in Florida, there was a, a concert place. I forgot the name of it. And I think it was the Vodka Theater or something like that, you know. And uh, they had a lot of country music shows, a lot. There's a lot of country music bands down there in Florida. And all the girls would show up in jean shorts and boots. And I got to tell you, no matter what concert you went to, a rap artist, rock and roll, the hottest chicks, well, these country fans, they are smoking. They had a place uh, in Davie, Florida called Rendezvous. It's still there, I think. And you'd get these girls that you'd see every day at the Boca Resort, at the gym, and they'd put on a flannel shirt and a pair of short shorts and cowboy boots and square dance at rendezvous, and it was like, oh, my God. Now I know why Imus became a cowboy, although he had his woman already in uh, in Deirdre, who physically was very, and still is very overrated, but certainly much too good for him. <laughs> much too good for him. Well, that human girl would be Right, anybody with a much. vagina, you're, you're exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, Luke Bryan and a man, he's a man right there, Luke Bryan, he's cool. It's like, is that really <laughs> happening with him? Uh, uh. <laughs> 
That's the question. I would get that a lot. Like, do you think the two of them are having actual... sex? Yeah. Yeah, I get that all the time, too. <laughs> the question went, yeah. well, you know. But why it got there somehow, unless, uh, <laughs> well, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> Wyatt is clearly Don and Deirdre's kid, so they had sex. I don't know when it stopped. I don't care. You know, I see her once in a while on Instagram, and we invited her on when we did the uh, the last Bernie tribute. It's been about uh, two months time for another one, by the way. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Meaning, like, that's a great idea. Um, <laughs> He's actually so, writing it down right yeah. now. <laughs> I said, yes, Sid, this morning? Um, but she actually contacted Leslie, my friend Leslie Slender, and said something almost beautiful. Now, she said, no, I'm not coming on, but it was a very nice message. Well, so there was contact made. No, Leslie talks to Deirdre all the time. Okay. That's Leslie has this, um, well, Leslie has, if there's like a the, the Trump derangement syndrome TDS, Leslie has some type of eye Oh, sickness. there's no question about She's, uh, it. She's it's, it's way out of control. She can't let it go. Can't let it go. No, no, Talks no. to Deirdre. Rob. Talks to Rob talks to David Jurist. I mean, my God. Probably telegraphs, Charles. Jurist hates me because, you know, I'm, I'm too critical of Don. When he died, I just don't care. Yeah. My God. I know that. All these people that get me. You didn't work with that son of a bitch every day. You had no idea. And Leslie has no idea because I, I say this all the time. The Imus that got here, that's not the Imus. No. That was a diluted, beaten punk. Right. The real Imus which I, to this day, will always revere, was the badass I worked with at WFAN. That was the real Imus. When he got here, he was castrated. You don't know the real Imus. No, the real. The, you don't know. The crazy one was the one who chased Boomer Esiason out of the studio. Oh, my God. I was there that day. That was. For no reason. Could for be, no reason. No, he walked in while they were on the air. Yeah, I know. He just walked in. No, that was the reason. I know that. But there wasn't no reason. It was There was a reason. I know, no, no. But you got to know, though, his reaction was a bit much, Don. Yeah, but nobody ever did that before. No, I know. What what actually set him off was Boomer's Boomer's attitude towards him. Right. He yelled back and, like, don't worry what I'm doing. Exactly. I'm going over to talk to Trump. While he was doing it, I mean, that was pretty bad. No, it was. It was bad. Would you let that happen? No. And I'll tell you what's funny about that is even Francesa, you know, I, I looked at it like this. If you ever watch The Sopranos, Imus was Gandolfini. He was the crime boss. And the top two soldiers, like Christopher and Paulie, were Mike and Chris. Right. And that's the way it went. And even Mike, who's got the biggest mouth and at times could be the biggest douchebag you've ever met, <laughs> he was scared to death of Don. Scared to death. I remember one time Frances was giving me a hard time, and I'll always love Imus for this. And Imus comes out of the studio, I swear to God, he goes, hey, Fatso, come here. Just like that, in front of the whole newsroom. <laughs> hey, Fatso, come here. You say one more word to my guy, Sid, and you're out of here. He wasn't kidding. And Francesa almost started to cry. <laughs> and I was done. Don, he was the man. And I, listen, I still love Imus. I'm always going to love Imus. Part of me doesn't, part of me does. At least I can admit that. You and Bernie, my God, you you hate his guts. Although you've I, come, I, I you've come around a little bit now. I never said that. Never said that. He took good care of me. Yeah, and he, uh, and he, he did. I mean, the one the me one thing there. he did do with us, and why my wife, see, Danielle is kind of back and forth with Don, because when Gabriel was having some issues, we reached out to Don and Deirdre, and I have to tell you that Don and Deirdre did a lot 
with the DOE and me and Danielle to help Gabriel. And we'll always be um, thankful for that. Yeah, he was always great with that. Great. Great. But when Ava was a baby and Danielle took Ava to Astoria to to see Daddy at WFAN Studios, we're talking all the way back in like 2005, I guess, four. And um, we went to the commissary downstairs. You remember that place? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, I like the commissary. Yeah, because Ava, we didn't get you know, milk. I don't know. I was hungry. <laughs> so Imus comes walking in with Plant, and he sees Danielle and Ava. Ava's like one less, maybe less, maybe one. And um, the idiot puts his gun down, I swear to God, a loaded gun, a loaded gun, puts it down on the table. Now, when he puts the gun on the table, that could discharge. Ask Alec Baldwin. I'm serious. No, yeah. <laughs> He's got a little baby right in front of him, and he puts the gun down. And he says, uh, why don't you play with this little kid? No, he did. And Danielle wanted to sue. It was a mess. She wanted to sue him and turn off, got involved. Oh, a lot of people wanted to sue about the gun. Yeah. There was a lot of. You put a loaded gun down next to my daughter. She's play with this kid. If that thing discharges, it's over. Uh, Yeah. So anyway. No matter what happens, he's done. (laughs) Right. Right. A lot of ups and downs, but a lot of ups and downs. But I, I I will admit to this. For the folks out there that uh, say very nice things about me and the host that I've become over the years, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, and I took some stuff from Howard and I took some stuff from Mike and Chris and a few others along the way, but the biggest influence in my career by a good margin is Don Imus. So if you folks think I'm great today and the ratings say you do, He's the guy you got to thank because you can hear almost every day on this show, and Noam is the first to point it out, whether I'm being funny or being serious, a lot of my stuff directly came or comes from the Amen. Have you ever heard that, Noam? <laughs> I, you know, yesterday you started off the show by saying how sick you were, and I was like, oh, my God, here we go. I miss again. <laughs> I miss again. Well, he would start like that every day. The only difference is... He wouldn't say that right off the bat. First, he would choke for about eight minutes. <laughs> or you uh, hear, say, can you say something? <laughs> or the you heard the oxygen tank first. Right, you would hear you the oxygen anything. tank. Oh, yeah, that was the worst. It was that loud. Yeah. It was that loud. I, sometimes yeah. he would um, want to weigh in on the end of my 5 o'clock show, and how I would know is I would hear... <sighs> <laughs> I was like, okay, clearly he's on. <laughs> Like there's a cue. (laughs) Darth Vader's coming in. (laughs) Long live the I man. I man, uh, rest rest in peace. I man. I don't know about that. (laughs) You got to work on Gnome, I think, some more. It's going to be a while before. (laughs) I think. I think Gnome. You know, they had me on Channel Five and Channel Eleven when the I man died. I was on. You know, and they asked for my quotes. I think Gnome's exact quote was. I'm glad the son of a bitch is dead. <laughs> Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi.
You can see it, right? I say it every time. Robert De Niro taking a long drag of that cigarette. And Goodfellas, he... Strike is over, folks. That means I get to go back to work, but not just me. Curtis Sliwa, Monster Ratings, noon to one. Every weekday afternoon, big ratings, hosting overnights, and arguably does his best work with me about this time every weekday morning. He's on five days a week because he's great. He's an icon. He's a legend. He's Mr. Guardian Angel. He's out, uh, He's actually joked before that he would like to see me take a full-time gig in acting, move out to Hollywood so we could have the morning show back, which is not going to happen. He doesn't realize he's actually better off being on the show with me than if he hosted it. But that's fine. But... Uh, <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. <laughs> Hollywood Hall of Fame with all those trendoids, freakazoids, jet setters. Yeah. You'd be out there in a heartbeat. You should be in the Hollywood Hall of Fame. No, 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 no. Has, I, has I, there I, been a movie made about you yet, like a real one? A real one? No, actually, not a, a real one. Was there a cable one? Was there like a, a documentary? Yeah, We're Fighting Back was a made-for-TV movie. Well, what is it called? We're Fighting Back. We're Fighting Back. And who portrayed you? Uh, actually, the fighter... In um, in one of the greatest movies of all time, featuring Jake LaMotta. Not De Niro. Uh, not De Niro. It was in Raging Bull, though. In Raging Bull. No kidding. One of the fighters. Uh, Irish kid. Irish kid. Uh, got knocked down. Uh, eventually played my role. Was he, he good? Well, he ended up becoming a soda jerk at a um, candy store, 24-hour candy store on Avenue A in St. Mark's, where I was living at the time. I wouldn't go in because he's embarrassed. But you pointed out, most actors, actresses, and everybody else in the business, they're not working all the time. They're not making a lot of money. No. And sometimes... Like 99%. Right. You could have had a great role, and then you're a person of no consequence. So when I heard he was a soda jerk behind the counter, I didn't want to go in and embarrass him because... His entire career was destroyed when he played my role. Is that right? Yes. Why? It, it, it wasn't very good. <laughs> oh, he wasn't very good. Or, or was it that people didn't like you? Or, or, no, well, you know, a lot of people don't like me. Oh, I know. But, for example, um, I just literally shot a movie a month ago, and it was a low budget, so it didn't uh, didn't affect the, the strike at the time. But Armand DeSante was there, and uh, he's become a good friend of mine. He's in Gravesend, too, with me. And I thought his portrayal of John Gotti was amazing. He played Gotti, and John Forsythe played uh, Sammy Gobano. But uh, people didn't like it because, you know, Gotti is not everybody's cup well, of tea. Only, I love John only, Gotti. Not only that. I'm listening to Frank Morano, that mama look the other side of me. Oh, we had Victoria Gotti exactly. on today. It made it's me her nauseous. Birthday. It Happy made birthday, Victoria me nauseous. Why? One time she gro- she rolls up in a silver bench. This is when she had black hair, not the peroxide queen that she became. She get I'm at, I'm at the New Park Pizzeria. I'm outside. I'm having slices with the Guardian Angels, right? Worse than any salty semen dropping the F-bomb on me. The guys across the street at the World's Gym at that time, Gold's Gym, they come out, the muscle heads, we're squaring off in the middle of the cross. She gets back in the car and drives away. She sets it off and then just leaves. Well... She's Victoria Gotti, the daughter you're talking about, not of course, John's not, wife. Well, the, oh, my God, the wife. By the way... All the Gotti kids are Jews. I they don't want that. to admit it because the mother's Jewish. Keep denying it. Your birth from <laughs> a woman who's a Jew, that makes you a Jew. I agree with and you. And be proud of it. You could name all your kids Frankie and Jake Vinny Lamada. and Anthony, but Jake they're Lamada's Jewish. Jake a Jew. I know that. William DeMeo is a Jew. 
Now, I'm a Jew because of my name, but that's a whole other yeah, story. You wanted to be reversed I until, did. until... October 7th. October 7th. Right. Now I don't want it anymore. Now, now you, don't want, you don't want to be a Supreme Cuisine with the, the necklace and all the crucifixes. Well, I, I, not in real life. I mean, you know, Danny A is going to come on at 930 this morning, and we're going to be back shooting movies and no, shooting no, TV you mean, shows. You, you mean Roy DeMeo. Roy DeMeo, that's right. By the way, are you aware that Roy DeMeo whacked Louis Epolito's uncle and cousin? Well, you know, it's funny you mention Louis Epolito because the one movie I did with Danny, of course, Inside Man, the true story about the Gemini Lounge in Brooklyn, which was a terrific movie, and a lot of folks did a great job. He did certainly Lucy Hale, Emil Hirschbow, everybody. But he is talking now about making a new movie about the mob cops. Exactly, because the one failing of... uh what do they call the new movie? I mean, come on. What's the new name of the movie? The Gemini new, uh, should Inside be Gemini. Man. Okay. Inside Man. You were Dracula behind the, behind the counter there serving the, the bar, drinks, yes. Right? Right. And you're also the cook. Uh, you didn't even make eggplant in those no, scenes. No, I did not. No. You had no eggplant no. in the movie. That's true. So the point is you need diversity. So you better let Danny A know that just like in Goodfellas, who did you have there? Stack, Samuel L. Jackson, right? You have to have diversity. That was a great scene when uh, Pesci playing Tommy shot him and killed him. Yeah. And making coffee, but you'll you, be late for your own funeral. Like, Poor Stacks, he parked the car in the wrong place. You need diversity now. What are you saying? So we need a black actor? Exactly. Look. Do you know any great black actors? Absolutely. Louis Eppolito and Stephen Caracappa. Uh, let's set the scene should be the 67 precinct right on Bath Avenue. Okay. And the house mouse, uh, the desk sergeant, should be none other than what he was for 22 years, your friend Eric Adams, who's soon to go to jail. <laughs> Listen to him in his Turkish movie debut. This guy did protest for SAG after, remember, for Fran Joshua, along with AOC, all out crazy. He's got the cred. He could be the death sergeant in this new movie about Louis Epolito and Stephen Caracappa. You guys are from Turkey. Brooklyn loves Turkey. Brooklyn is the Istanbul of America. We love your food. We love your music. But I don't understand Turkish. We can take a selfie, though. Yeah, but when Louis Epolito and Stephen Caracappa, by the way, Stephen Caracappa was called the stick. Uh, he was you really know who, skinny, right? Yeah, but you know who the stick was. Think uh, about it. George Michael. No. The Yankees. Don't no, tell me. They Gene called him Stick Michael. Gene Michael. Oh, uh, oh Gene Michael, right. Uh, George Michael. Hey, he, right. Wasn't he in the bathroom there in uh, Beverly Hills? And, Fine. You know. <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're talking about, though, Gene Michael? Yeah, Gene Michael's a stick, remember? He would always grab his crutch. Yes. Yes. I don't understand. He'd get into the batting box. He'd always be grabbing his three-piece set. Like that he always had the happened, yes. Like he had. He should have put Destinex in there. He had the <laughs> jacket. But anyway, so Louis Epolito's uncle and cousin gets whacked by Roy DeMeo. And you know what his answer is? This is the business that we have chosen. What? And when he was a 12-year-old kid, Louis Epolito, his dad owned a gin mill. He started bringing the envelopes out to the wise guys. He grew up in East Flatbush there. He was in uh, Nino Gaggi's crew, you know, making his bones. So when your own family members get whacked, you know they're hardcore. In fact, I met him on the stage of Nine Broadcast Plaza, remember, with Richard Bay. He was promoting his book at the time, 1992. I'll never forget it. Cause that's that that's when they, caucus, That's right. right. That's yeah. when they tried to whack me. Yeah. The story of an honest cop whose family was in the mob. And his grandfather was a Gambino guy. His father was a Gambino guy. So he's sitting on the stage with his mother, who's all dressed in black. She had just been a widow. 
And he's defending me because the whole audience is filled with the Gambino guys from Howard Beach. They're doing the throat slit. I'm saying, lock them all up. These degenerate, geriatric, espresso sipping, psychotic killers of organized crime. <laughs> so Louie goes to the crowd. He, he just doesn't know. Curtis is a good guy with the guardian angel. Curtis, why don't you come to 18th Avenue? My mother makes the best meatballs and spaghetti. You come on a Sunday afternoon, we could discuss our differences. And I knew that if I showed up for those meatballs and spaghetti, you'd be like stacks. I would have been the ninth murder victim <laughs> of uh, Epolito and Caracas. That's funny. Well, you did mention, oh, that's a great story. You did mention the mayor, Eric Adams, in his acting debut in Turkey. Can, can, I, can I give, I never praise him. Yeah. Gnome Laden did a five-minute riff on that excuse of a press conference yesterday. I want to nominate it for a Marconi Well, let's award. go right to it. Now that you mentioned it, the mayor did talk for the first time since the FBI raid at Brianna Suggs' apartment or house in Brooklyn. I've got two cuts. I'm going to play them both. Then you can continue to By talk the way, about the mayor. Before you play the cuts, a lot of dry mouth. The guy was drinking a lot of water up there, which you'll always know if you look at a person's body so language. So you're saying he was nervous. Oh, man, this guy was having a panic attack. All right, well, let's start with this one. First, he explains why he spent so much time in Turkey where Curtis just played that great piece of him acting. Eric Adams, why in Turkey so much? Cut number nine. Turkey, as well as any other country, uh, I want to attract people to the city. All right, so he wants to attract the Turkish people to New York. Oh, yeah, we, we run into a lot of Turkish tourists here. Fine. Times Square, let's hold up a Turkish flag. If anybody's here from Turkey, I'll give you $1,000. Come on. You accept that, Sid? No, he tore him up. No, I did a magnificent did. job. Uh, here's one more. Here, uh, actually, uh, one more, that's all. Here he talks about Brianna's Suggs, and he knows Brianna followed all the rules. Cut number 10. She's going to get through this uh, because she followed the rules. She was very clear on what I stated. We must always follow the rules. We must always follow the rules. Yeah, like we believe that politicians following the well, rules. He Any said, politicians. He, well, he also said that he knew that his campaign would be scrutinized very heavily. So he really, really made sure he followed the rules. You're telling me that's not possible? Well, look. He answered two questions in which one answer contradicted the other answer. Why did you decide to turn around in Washington, D.C. and come right back? Well, she was my intern, 25-year-old. She, she was, was traumatized. Right. She was crying, yeah. Traumatized. Okay, yeah, we get it. Then another question, uh, again, why, though? Why couldn't you have allowed your campaign staff to deal with that, a campaign attorney? Um, did you end up talking to her? No, I, I didn't talk with her. Well, why did you come back? Again, symbolism. She needed to know that I was near, that I was near. What the hell is this? You came back and you never had a phone conversation? Well, it's true because, as Curtis Lewa has reported exclusively, because I was outside of City Hall for an animal welfare matter feeding the pigeons. You can look on my Facebook page and my you, Instagram. You were where? City Hall Park, feeding the pigeons. Feeding the pigeons. You okay. can look on my Instagram. No, no, that's okay. Right. I, I and, and, yeah. uh, this is why you're not going to win. You have, the sorry, S you have the SUV. <laughs> you have the SUV outside. He's inside with his aides, and they're shredding documents like Lieutenant Colonel Ali North with Fawn Hall in 1987, like in Iran-Contra. Wait a second. You're telling me that you have eyewitness accounts of Mayor Adams... Shredding documents. Yeah, you want to know who they are, the eyewitnesses? 
I know you've got rats in City Hall. Oh, they love the the, the Parmesan know, cheese. You're not, you're not going to out those guys. But you're of course me, not. I need further information. No, I know that, but you're telling me they told you that he was in there shredding documents. Well, I'll tell you what. In order to prove this, why don't you call Eric Adams on his two-burner phones now? Oh, he probably didn't give you the number to the two-burner phones. Well, he's phones, busy did. right now. So am I. Yeah, but I thought you were a very dear friend. Well, only, very dear friends. Only his very dear friends well, have I, the burner phones. I had phones. to watch uh, Jelly Roll last night. So. And as you know, Motorola, the burner phones, you generally get if you're in the mob, you know, if you're a terrorist, or if you have a gumada so your wife doesn't find out, uh, you got to replace them every month. So I guess, Sid, you're not as... Uh, a number one friend that you thought you were in the eyes of Eric Adams, or you would have his burner phone numbers. Has he reached out to you? Have you texted him? Has he given you any kind of, of solace? Or do you just have sores over the fact that you have defended this guy who's going to the big house in chains and shackles and not the White House? Who's got a better chance, Curtis Lewa? Who's got a better chance of going to jail? And you don't like either one of these guys. Mayor Eric Adams... Or President Donald Trump? Oh, no, Eric Adams. Oh? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Oh, without a without doubt. doubt. I mean, Trump's got four indictments. Yeah, yeah, but he lawyers up with lawyers. I understand Your that. guy, Eric Adams, just lawyered up yesterday. Who'd he hire? Diversity. You see, he had to have diversity. He didn't go to Arthur Idala? No. Well, well, oh. Yeah. I, 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 he, Arthur doesn't even have his burner phone numbers. You didn't know that, did <laughs> yeah. you? Well, Arthur's in Michu Pichu right now. Yeah. Where, where was that? I don't know. I don't know how you say it. Michu Pichu? How do you Machu say that Pichu. place? Michu? Yeah, that's where I swear to God, that's where he is. He's up in the Andean Mountains. What is he, <laughs> he negotiating does. a deal for cocaine? What the hell is he doing there? Well, he has built a Blasio, so I guess he can't have the Blasio and Adams, right? He can't, uh, can't have both mayors. Who did he hire? So, uh, a black guy? Adams? Uh, uh, lawyers of no consequence. He's going to jail. He's not going to jail. He's going, look, this is where you get ridiculous. Uh, uh, did, no, he may have paved the you way surprised? for you to win. Are you surprised that he lawyered up yesterday? He announced that no, at his press but, conference? But, but you have to get a lawyer no matter what. Oh, really? Yes. I thought he's saying the same. I thought they did everything by the rules. We always do everything I by know, the rules. But you've got a president. Here, I'm going to defend Eric Adams again. Oh. You've got a president yes. who squarely is out there trying to screw my friend because he's been critical about the migration issue Oh, here. you believe that crap. Like when not Menendez really. Too, right, like gold bar Menendez, right? All but, the gold bars and the but, money in his jacket. That's because I took on Biden. Your guy. Yes. What do you call that? The Papachula? Yeah, the Papachula. Rudy Giuliani told me that was the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, Rudy. Rudy's wrong. What are you doing? He's wrong. <laughs> I'll tell him to his face, my Kumbani cheats. Rudy, you couldn't be more hopelessly wrong about this. Eric Adams has been in, his guys have been indicted by Alvin Bragg. So Alvin Bragg is setting him up on behalf of Joe Biden. Alvin Bragg was doing the love sign with your homie Eric Adams out in the streets. Oh, we love one another. We're homeboys forever on the stage of the National Action Network. Uh, what is that place, 145th Street? How come Al Slim Shady Sharton doesn't have a church? How come he's got a storefront? You figure after all these years... Uh, somebody would have wind them, dined them, and pocket lined them into a cathedral, right? He doesn't even have a church. 
and yet his two primary disciples are Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, and Alvin Bragg, if you stand your ground, I prosecute you. If you shoplift, I give you A plus on your report card and tell you to come back for more and more. Alvin Bragg has been prosecuting his homeboys for political corruption. So now you're going to use the Biden factor? Watch. Eric Adams yesterday in that press conference started to play the race card. Yo, me and my team, me and my team. What the hell? Is he a basketball coach? When I look at his team, I see Stephon Marbury with all those tattoos that look like skywriting at night in Chinese that say, F you, white boy. Oh, yeah, that's what Eric Adams is saying to everybody out there. You crackers, you ain't getting the brother. I'll kick those crackers' asses, and I'll kick those crackers' asses again. in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. I listened to you on the way in here, meaning, you know, I turned it on on ABC streaming. It's very exciting. You have a very natural flow. You keep it moving, you know, even oh with all the ads in between, you can still hear Sid. And you got a nice voice. you got a, a, an on-air presence that comes across, Sid. And I know why you're successful. I mean, you relate to the audience and they hear you. Being on your show, Sid, I'm telling you, you're terrific. You've, you've got it. You're you're the you're a showman, and I was I appreciated being you know just being with you on this show. It's wow. fantastic. Your voice, however, I find is very soothing and very listenable, and you are the best in the business for a reason. Oh my God! And you and also you have like the tonality, like you know what you're getting right away. It's like I'm Sid. Rosenberg, I'm a New Yorker, and I'm going to give it to you straight, right? Like, that's what you're going to get. Can I say something real quick? Sure. There's a reason you're number one in New York. You are fantastic. Oh my you God. really are fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate you, buddy. And God Thank bless you. everybody in New York. Coming from you, that just meant the world to me. God bless you, too. I love you, Mark Levin. Thank you. you too, Thank buddy. you. Bye-bye. I felt that on the way out for Mark Levin, huh? Somebody get me a mobile light. You are number one, and you're a great guy and a great friend. And just take care of yourself, and we'll speak to you again soon. I realize the best part of saw these guys live at the Diplomat Hotel on Collins Avenue, circa 1980, air supply, lost in love. 
You know, open for these uh, for these guys when I saw them at the hotel, Lewis, was the guy in the show Soap. When you're old enough to remember that show, who had the dummy? Wow. Yeah. Wasn't that? No, not Billy Crystal. It was no, the not, other guy. No, um, um, the uh, Martin Mull. Martin Mull was it? Was not, not WKRP in Cincinnati? That's no, what it was. Well, yeah. No, not no. Not he, uh, he, Soap. Martin Mull wasn't in KRP. He wasn't. No. You sure it wasn't Are him? Are you thinking of Dr. Johnny Fever? Yeah, wasn't of... that Martin Mull? No, no, that was... Well, look uh, it up. That's Damn Howard it. Hessman. Howard Hessman, okay. Uh, Michael Savage, Academy Award winner John Voigt, America's Morning Sweetheart <laughs> Kelly Ripper. You need a list. The most conservative-liked radio host in the country, Mark Levin, and the greatest president ever, Donald Trump. Those were the five people who just hurled superlative. Just lo- And I got my boss... Chad Lopez, perfect. sitting in studio. You timed it perfect. Yeah. He had no idea. He's walking in. He's like, oh, oh sit down, on? Chad. Take a listen to this. But here's the thing, and I mean this sincerely. I could add Chad to this list because from the day I arrived back in 2016, let me tell you, Chad and I have had some some serious back and forth. So we almost come to fisticuffs a couple of times. And he's a tough little bastard, this kid. You know, he served in the Navy. He's no joke. But he... um. He's one of those bosses, and I love him for this, that has no problem telling his talent if they're good. Unfortunately, doesn't do it often because not a lot of talent that's all that good. But with me, at least, he's he's great. He really is, and I appreciate that. We got a uh, huge guest list coming up. Judge Andrew Napolitano will be here. My daughter, Ava Rosenberg, calling live from England, is coming up at eight fifteen. You guys love. When Ava's on, or Naomi. So Ava's calling in live from England. Bill O'Reilly's going to be here. Joe Tacopina's going to be here. And uh, Danny A. with the SAG after strike now over. Thank God it is over. After 118 days, actors can go back to work. So we got a lot of really, really cool guests coming up today. I did not watch one second of that debate last night. Losers. Five losers. And I don't dislike Nikki Haley. She's fine. And uh, DeSantis is a very good uh, governor down in Florida. I know that. Uh, Vivek, I can't stand. I trust him as much as I trust a pro-Palestinian protester. Uh, Chris Christie is just fat and stupid and jealous. You know, Chris Christie, this idiot is on TV this morning. And he says he's warning people, you know, be careful. Be careful because Trump is about to go to jail and you're going to vote for him. I'm saying to myself, Hey, fatso, how pathetic is it that if you're right and Donald Trump is on his way to jail and millions and millions of people will vote for him instead of you, stupid, what does that say about you? You ever think about that, Chris? Of course he doesn't. He's only thinking about what's for lunch coming up this afternoon. Jerry Jones is going to blow him in the box. That's Chris Christie for He's a stupid people. Yes, he's a very stupid people. Very stupid people. Noam, is there anything from last night's debate on a serious news front we can use this morning? No. I mean, Nikki Haley calling uh, Ramaswamy scum. I, oh, that's uh, a bit, that. let, me, let me tell you, that's embarrassing. Come on. Nikki Haley calls another Republican on stage scum? Well, she... He had brought up her daughter when he was talking about TikTok. Saying she said, that, keep my daughter out of your mouth. That's right. Like Will Smith. Yeah. You play that. You have that cut then? Uh, Nikki, I got it here, actually. Okay. Nikki Haley calling. Can't make this up. 
Vivek, uh, whatever his last name is, it's too long. <laughs> Called him Scum. Ramaswamy, by the way. Yeah. Oh, that's it. That's yeah. right. Here's uh, cut number 15. Mr. Ramaswamy, uh, we've talked about this. You campaign on TikTok. How do you get TikTok banned if you use it? Well, I, I, I want to laugh at why Nikki Haley didn't answer your question, which was about looking at families in the eye. In the last debate, she made fun of me for actually joining TikTok while her own daughter was actually using the app for a long time. So you might want to take care of your family first. Leave my daughter out of your voice. Adult daughter. The next generation of Americans are using it. And that's actually the point. You have her supporters crapping her up. That's fine. Here's the truth. You're just the easy answer. Yeah, you're just scum. And then uh, Jada Pinkett watched the stage, and uh, all hell broke loose. It was great TV. All right, we got uh, Judge Napolitano, Ava Rosenberg, Bill O'Reilly, Joe Tacopina, and Danny A. coming up. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. saw something on the um, that ridiculous uh, New York message board. I do like Alan Snippen. He's he's not a stupid guy. He's a dentist. And <laughs> Let me predict he said something nice. No, he said they haven't talked about me in a long time, which is ridiculous because, you know, if you're going to talk about New York radio, you need to talk about what's going on in Israel, and the only show that does a great job of it is me. That's it. That's it. But they'll never do that because they hate me on that board. They really hate me. They hate me like they hate Trump. But um, they were complaining on the board they don't play the new Rolling Stones album in New York. I wouldn't know that because I don't listen to Jim Carr in the morning. I would, but I'm on the air at the same time. But they're saying they don't play the new Rolling Stones album in New York. I don't know. No, well, who are they talking about in general? Just no. the radio stations. Asians. No, I've heard it. You have heard it? Okay. No, of course. They're idiots. Tom they're idiots on there. Well, they're, they're one more on after another. On my college station, I've heard it. Now, which one is that? FUV? Yeah. Yeah, Fordham. Um... Also, uh, I'm coming back into the city tonight. You remember Alan Dershowitz was on this show yesterday talking about this documentary. <laughs> and, and I knew if Danielle was listening, I was cooked because Danielle, when she was in law school, she loved Alan Dershowitz. And she looks up to Alan Dershowitz like I used to look up to Lawrence Taylor, you know. And she found out about this documentary in the East Village tonight. She's like, we're going. Oh, yeah, you are definitely so she already purchased two tickets last night. <laughs> I mean, I get everything for free. Everything for free. I'm a major superstar. I had to pay for two tickets to go to the East Village and watch Dershowitz's documentary. And then I got to buy dinner afterwards. <laughs> Just to come back to work tomorrow and put on a Veterans Day show. So we are going to meet Alan Dershowitz and his lovely wife later on tonight. Well, that's cool. Yeah. But well, Danielle, Danielle, I mean, I love Alan, but Danielle's like, to him, she's God. You know? I somehow pictured Danielle with, like, one of those uh, lamps overhead, <laughs> like, with a book taking notes. She's going to do that, seriously. The thing yeah. is on. And uh, if you ever saw the movie Airplane at one point when um, the, uh, the stewardess wouldn't stop talking and the two passengers hung themselves <laughs> mid-flight, 
<laughs> is that all you have to say? Once they get to torts, <laughs> the whole tort discussion, the constitutional gonna, law. It'll be a lot of trips oh, to the concession God. stand yeah. for you, I think. But the guy that can appreciate this conversation is uh, is a brilliant lawman and a judge at that. Major TV star Fox News was on Imus. Gets about 8 million viewers, no joke, for his great podcast. He's here every Thursday, my friend, Judge Andrew Napolitano. Judge Knapp, good morning. How are you? Uh, good morning, Sid. How are you, my dear friend? I'm great. You could appreciate Danielle's admiration for Alan Dershowitz, yes? I, I share that admiration. Alan Dershowitz is not only one of the greatest understanders and explainers of the Constitution, he's also one of the greatest defenders of civil liberties uh, in the country, in the world. And uh, I've admired his work since I was a law student. I was thrilled when I got to work with him at Fox. And every once in a while, we uh, do something together at Newsmax. I think he's terrific. Absolutely terrific. I hope you have a great time tonight. And please uh, give him my best regards. I certainly will. That's, I, I spend a lot of my time these days, Judge, giving your regards to everybody, whether it's Bill O'Reilly or tonight, Alan. <laughs> 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 What's that on my doing? Trump. Donald Trump had a victory yesterday in a most unlikely court that you probably won't see too much press about. Well, tell us the about most, this. Yeah, I'm The excited. most liberal Supreme Court in the country after New Jersey is Minnesota. And the Minnesota Supreme Court threw out the challenge to putting Trump's name on the ballot on the grounds that he participated in an insurrection against the uh, government of the United States on January 6th. Well, that's good uh, to hear. That's good to hear. I think a lot of people didn't even realize Minnesota got that far because the state that, as you know, Judge, got the most press on that was the first state to do it, and that was Colorado. Have they thrown that out yet? Well, no. The trial is over in Colorado. The trial's before a, a single judge rather than a jury, and she said she's going to come out with her opinion uh, before Thanksgiving because the people that print the ballots need to know before Christmas whether his name is going to be on the ballot. I don't know which way she's going to go. In Minnesota, um, it never got to the trial stage. Uh, because the Trump people challenged it, and the courts have upheld the challenge. But I was amazed and thrilled, uh, because it, it, it's great when judges do the right thing, even though their political hearts may be elsewhere. I mean, this is a, this is a court I can't imagine any of them voted for Trump. But taking an oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution basically said, well, this is absurd. You can't keep somebody off the court off the ballot because of an allegation in the newspaper. If he's convicted, that's a different story. But we're way, way, way uh, ahead of that. So well, I'm, I'm glad to hear right that. that yeah, I'm glad. And they did it efficiently. I'm glad to hear that out of the state of Minnesota. That is the complete antithesis of the racist attorney general we've got here, this Letitia James, who's a lowlife. I'm going to say she's a lowlife. This lady ran on getting Trump. Now she's uh, trying to get Trump. She had his kids up there. Forget about Donald. She had Eric here. She had Donald Jr. here yesterday. Ivanka, she's yelling and screaming, he's not going to bully me. I mean, we've got crime and all kinds of issues in these streets. And this despicable woman is getting off every day on sending any Trump she can to a courtroom. And I asked this about Dershowitz yesterday. I said, at some point, is it legal 
for somebody running for attorney general to individualize that office, go after one person and then do it? Isn't there a way we can actually disbar this lady? And he said, maybe. What do you think? I don't think we can. I, I agree with everything you've said. It's a defect in the system. It's time to change the system. People should not run for prosecutor promising to get somebody. That is not what law enforcement does. Law enforcement gathers evidence of crimes, and if it believes there's enough evidence to get a conviction, it indicts, charges, and prosecutes. But it doesn't pick people because of their political opposition, except in New York, where every prosecutor runs for office and the judges run for office, and they all make promises. Now, maybe I was spoiled rotten. I came from a system where we were appointed by the governor for life on the bench. Prosecutors appointed by the governor for five years. You can't be kicked out of that job because you you displease the politicians. You don't get the job by promising to do things. So it's a defect in the system. She is the most extreme example of the defects in the system. Uh, her One of her predecessors is your friend Andrew Cuomo, who made promises. Not nearly as extreme as hers. He didn't say, I'm going to get this one, I'm going to get that one. They were generic promises that the public went for. She is the first person that I am aware of, she and Alvin Bragg, to identify a political target as a criminal defendant while they were running for office. Now, Dershowitz always thinks five steps ahead of everybody. So he's probably thinking picking somebody as a criminal defendant because they're your political opponent when there's no evidence of the crime is unethical and unethical behavior can lead to disbarment. When you dine with him tonight, run that argument past him. Oh, I certainly will. I certainly will. I want I want all these people removed. I was happy to see censure, although it doesn't mean anything. She stands there for a couple of minutes, and, you know, they kind of get their rocks off, and she goes about her daily business for Rashida Tlaib. So censure doesn't really mean a heck of a lot. But at least uh, we're exposing people, whether it's attorney generals, district attorneys, Jew-hating Congress people. It does feel a little better. I want your opinion, though, on uh, on Ukraine I saw Tulsi Gabbard on television last night, and she opened up a can of whoop-ass on your friend, of almost my friend, your friend Zelensky, about where the money is going, how crooked he is, how now he has decided no more elections. Zelensky has decided no more elections in Ukraine, that he's become basically a dictator, and we keep giving these people money, when right now the country that needs the money is Israel, not Ukraine. What are your thoughts have, on all that? I have been I have been in the same camp with former President Trump, which is contrary to most of the Republican Party. I have been steadfastly against giving money to Ukraine. Ukraine has lost the war. There are secret negotiations going on as we speak. They're going to get a, a deal not nearly as good as the one they would have gotten two years ago that Putin and Zelensky agreed to until Biden and whoever was the prime minister of Great Britain at the time, I think it was Boris Johnson, interceded and said, no, don't worry, we got your back. Remember what Henry Kissinger said? It's dangerous to be an enemy of the United States. It's worse to be a friend huh, because we never stick with our friends. Uh, but this is not a friend worth having. This is a Nazi-like regime. It has outlawed the Orthodox Catholic Church. 
It has uh, not going to hold uh, elections. It has the most corrupt government in the Western world. Zelensky now has five villas around the country. He just bought an, another one. This, these are not people that are worth giving a nickel to. Now, when you make that argument, there are very few Republicans who agree with you, but more and more are going to come around. And Trump was right on this from the beginning. I think Donald Trump is going to jail. You said yes before uh, when these indictments first happened, especially two and four. Look, he ain't going for an extended period of time. Guys keep telling me, look, in Georgia, it's five years. He ain't going to jail for five years. I'm not saying he's not going to jail. He's going to jail for five years. But do you think Donald Trump ends up serving any time in jail? Well, I certainly hope not. I can't predict what is going to happen except to say that these prosecutions, forget about Alvin Bragg. The one in Georgia and the two federal prosecutions will be extremely aggressive, extremely aggressive. And my advice to the president, whom I know and love, stay off the witness stand. Do not take the witness stand. You did not impress the other day. You impressed politically, but not legally. I like that. That is excellent, excellent advice from the great Judge Andrew Napolitano. I think your uh, your column this week, Judge Knapp, uh, has Ukraine in that too, right? Talking about Ukraine we did moments ago. Was that part of your column this week? Yes, yes it was. The United States has not declared war on Russia, and yet we're spending $113 billion to give to this corrupt country to uh, fight a war we know they're going to lose. Joe Biden just asked for another $68 billion. What a joke. Thank goodness the conservative Republicans in the House are going to refuse uh, to give it to them. What kind of a constitution do we have when the president can pick and choose what war he wants to fight? That's the job of the Congress, not the president. Congress chooses the war. The president wages the war. When the president can both choose and wage, he's not a president. He's a prince. That's not me. That's James Mattis, the guy who wrote the Constitution. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, look, I know Bill O'Reilly's coming up. He disagrees. But the idea that Putin is going to take over the world if we don't stop him and Poland could be, I mean, uh, just complete, utter nonsense. This guy can't find his ass with his elbow. This is one of the most pathetic wars I've ever seen. He's going to win because the numbers are on his side. The weaponry is on his side. They're just too big for Ukraine to beat. But the idea that you're nervous that if we don't keep giving these people hundreds of billions of dollars that Putin's going to advance all across the world, I've seen zero evidence that he can do that. Zero. There, there, there's absolutely no evidence that goes all the way back to the Vietnam War. Oh, if we don't defeat North Vietnam, all of Southeast Asia is going to become communist. Guess what? Vietnam is not one of our biggest trading partners. They're as capitalist as we are. And we lost the war. Damn Come right. The, the Domino theory, I love Bill, as you know, but the domino theory is perpetrated by the military-industrial complex. They just want to keep producing weapons and ammunition 24-7 because that's what they do. Yeah, listen, I had uh, General Jack Keane on this show a couple of weeks ago. He was rah-rah about Ukraine. He was on his way there, and I had no idea because, again, I'm, you know, I'm still watching the Knicks. I had no idea that he was involved in just that. Very similar to Dick Cheney with Halliburton. So, of course, he's going to be pro-Ukraine war. He's making money. 
So anyway, um, I, I love I love the general, but uh, he's uh, bought and paid for by the military industrial complex. I'm not saying he's dishonest. I'm saying he gives their version. He does. does it very no, he does. He's a very smart guy and all that. But you're right. You got to be careful. Much like the president, you just don't know these people are compromised. You just don't know who to trust. I know I can trust you. That was a great, great, great segment. Thank you so much, as always, Judge Napolitano. Have a great week. We'll do it again next Thursday, buddy. Thank you so much. Sid, Sid, you have the best morning show in the business, and it's a privilege for me to play a small role in it. Well, congratulations. You're not going to be added to, let me see, Mike Savage, John Boyd, Kelly Ripper, Donald Trump, Mark Levin. Add Judge Knapp to that right now. He's no dummy. He's brilliant. He heard it. <laughs> Thank you, Judge Knapp. <laughs> I love you, too. Judge Napolitano, every Thursday. Cut that up, Justin. I'm serious. Add that to the list. We'll, uh, we'll come back with hour number three. It's a big hour coming up uh, right after Noam with the news. My brilliant law student daughter, Ava. Ava Caroline Rosenberg calling from the U.K., from Wales. We'll talk to Ava coming up at 8.15. And then the man himself, the great one, the aforementioned Bill O'Reilly. He's coming up at 8.45. Ava and Bill, 8 o'clock hour, is next. WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. My daughter reaches out to me, Ava, and she says, Dad, I want to come on. I didn't reach out to her. And um, <laughs> so now she's not picking up the phone. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's affirmative. Uh, she reached out to me. She said, Daddy, I want to come on. I want to talk about Israel, all these uh, different subjects. And Yeah, as much as I like hearing the little automated uh, British woman's voice telling me I've reached her voice. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, starting to drive me a little bit crazy. Yeah. So, but uh, I mean, it's, uh, I think it's, uh, is it five or six hours ahead in one, London? It's one fifteen there now. One fifteen in the afternoon, yeah. yeah. So it's not like she's sleeping, I don't think. I would certainly hope not. She could still be sleeping. I don't know. Well, doesn't she have class and stuff? Not today, I don't think. Oh, okay. That's why she made this time available gotcha. to come on, but we can't reach her, so. Well, uh, I left her a voicemail, and I gave her the number, um, and I'm going to keep trying. So, well, Why don't we do this, um, just in case Ava does, in fact, call in, and we do have Bill O'Reilly coming up. That is the, the monstrous segment of the week. We've got Joe Tacopina. We've got Danny A. That's a very, very big deal now that the... Um, the actor strike is over. Why don't we play that tremendous open that Justin Ellick put together this morning, which will give you everything you need to know from last night's debate to Donald Trump speaking in Hialeah to Eric Adams, latest problems to the actor strike, all of that. And then we'll see if Ava calls in. This is the daily open. We played this at six. Ellick does it every day. Here it is at 818. 
The third Republican primary debate takes center stage in Florida with just five candidates on stage. That group includes Governor Ron DeSantis, Senator Tim Scott, and former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. The five candidates hope to become the clear alternative to former President Trump. A recent CBS News poll found 61% of likely GOP primary voters have indicated they will vote for Mr. Trump. Mr. Ramaswamy, uh, we've talked about this. You campaign on TikTok. How do you get TikTok banned if you use it? Well, I, I, I want to laugh at why Nikki Haley didn't answer your question, which is about looking at families in the eye. In the last debate, she made fun of me for actually joining TikTok while her own daughter was actually using the app for a long time. So you might want to take care of your family first. Leave my daughter out of your voice. The next generation of Americans are using it. And that's actually the point. You have her supporters crapping her up. That's fine. Here's the truth. You're just the easy it. Ivanka Trump on the witness stand. The former president's daughter was called to testify by the attorney general in the civil fraud case brought against the Trump real estate empire. Ivanka Trump is the last of the former president's children to testify and the last witness that the attorney general's office plans to call in this civil fraud trial. Already, her testimony and her whole demeanor has been in stark contrast to that of her father's. Ivanka, she's been calm, concise, polite, even smiled at the judge. There are at least two ways that Ivanka Trump's testimony is different compared to the other Trumps. One, she is no longer a defendant, unlike her brothers and father. The second way this testimony is different is that Ivanka is not on the defense's witness list. So the state has just this one chance to question her. She will attempt to distance herself from the company. But unfortunately, the facts will reveal that, in fact, she was very much involved. Mayor Adams taking questions from reporters about the FBI's raid last week at his chief fundraiser's home. Federal investigators looking into whether the mayor's campaign received illegal foreign donations. She outraised every other fundraiser that was in the race. She worked hard. She learned. Mayor Eric Adams on his top fundraiser, Brianna Suggs. Last week, FBI agents raided the home of Suggs. According to the search warrant, the FBI is investigating whether the Adams 2021 mayoral campaign conspired with the KSK Construction Company of Brooklyn to funnel foreign money into the campaign by way of a straw donor scheme. And while agents left with several boxes, the mayor, confident and insistent that no wrongdoing has occurred by way of a directive that's been in place since before day one. And what I stated, we must always follow the rules because we knew that our campaign will always be scrutinized. And so we wanted to make sure we were above reproach. It's official. The actor's strike is over after 118 days. SAG-AFTRA has reached a tentative agreement on a new three-year contract with the studios and streamers. SAG-AFTRA announced that the union's TV theatrical committee approved the agreement in a unanimous vote on Wednesday. The deal will go to the union's national board on Friday for approval. The Performers Union announced the provisional agreement on Wednesday after about two weeks of renewed negotiations. The development came not long before a deadline of 5 p.m. that the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers had set for the union to give their answer on whether they had a deal. So far, the union is keeping quiet on the details of the agreement, which will likely emerge in the next few days prior to the union's ratification vote. If the deal is ratified, the contract could soon go into effect, and if not, members would essentially send their labor negotiators back to the bargaining table with the AMPTP. I got to tell you, Betty, it is great to be back on the 4th of July. You think they do the down in Florida? Look, you got a bottle rocket. I'm sure. How's Ronaldo doing? I tell you, it's like a miracle. The guy is doing so much better. In fact, he may be at the hospital. I saw this next week. 
That's great. Please send them my love. I don't have to. You can do it yourself. He's coming back to Brooklyn. With or without the blessing of that Long Island, he's coming back to Brooklyn. All right, so there you have it. Uh, that last scene there was from the uh, final episode, episode nine, season two of Gravesend. Me and William DeMeo, who plays the star Benny Z, walking through that July 4th barbecue. In fact, I told you earlier this morning that uh, Danielle and Gabriel are actually in that scene, extras sitting in the background. And uh, that, of course, uh, made news on this show today because the writer's strike, as you heard, is uh, not the writer's strike, the actor's strike. The writer's strike has been over for a couple of weeks. The actor's strike is now over, so time to go back to work. Danny A., who's had a uh, really a legendary career for a young guy in Hollywood, he's had an amazing career. Look at his IMDb. Holy Rollers, The Iceman, Wolf of Wall Street, uh, The Irishman, Inside Man, The Engineer, Mobtown, Lansky, The Jackie Ryan Story, all those. And, of course, he did cast me in Inside Man. He's going to join us coming up uh, at 9.30, talking about Israel and the actor strike being over. You heard there from uh, Eric Adams, said, uh, we know that our campaign was going to be scrutinized, so we followed all the rules. Brianna Suggs followed all the rules. And then, of course, you heard that little back and forth between Vivek and Ramaswamy, an embarrassing night for those folks. I mean, those five idiots, they got to stop. When I say idiots, I don't think Nikki Haley is an idiot, but on stage during these debates, man, they all look stupid, all of them. DeSantis looks stupid. Poor Tim Scott's a nice guy. He gets run over. All these debates, he just gets run over. They've had three debates. None of them, especially fat, stupid Chris Christie, none of them have gained any traction. I mean any traction. Trump is lengthening his lead every day. And while these dummies are in Miami yelling and screaming with nobody watching and nobody listening, my man Donald Trump was in Hialeah, not that far away, with thousands of people at his own rally. And he talked last night about how getting indicted, it doesn't bother him. He's doing that for us. Donald Trump Lewis, cut number 13. Every time I'm indicted, I consider it a great badge of honor because I'm being indicted for you. Thanks a lot, everybody. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. I'm being indicted for you. And never forget our enemies want to take away my freedom because I will never, ever, ever let them take away your freedom. I won't let it happen. Vivek, uh, just a reminder, too, uh, not a big pro-Israel guy. He did say they have the right to defend themselves, but Vivek uh, does not want to fund Israel anymore. So I never liked him. I told you, how many months ago did I say, Lou, when people were in love with him? Yep, I know. So I don't trust this mother Everybody just wanted to see his wife. That's all. I don't even know. Is she pretty his wife? Uh, I know DeSantis has a pretty wife. Yeah. Vivek does too? Yes. Oh, God, who cares? He's an asshole. Okay. Uh, Donald Trump, number 14, saying don't let Jew haters make decisions in Washington, D.C. Donald Trump, number 14. In Washington, D.C., pro-jihadist demonstrators climbed up the fence in front of the White House. Excuse me, that I built. I built it. You know, the fence wasn't too good. The one that they had up there was falling apart. And we built a titanium, it's the strongest stuff, and they damaged the fence and they damaged police vehicles. They desecrated statues of Ben Franklin and other great heroes of our country, and they shouted, Allah Akbar, 
while calling the barbaric Hamas terrorists martyrs, they were saying martyrs. In times like these, you can't afford to have a president who wants to be politically correct. We have to do things properly. We cannot have an administration that takes foreign policy advice from Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib. Can't do that. Yeah. All right. He's right about that. Ilhan Omar. According to Ava Caroline Rosenberg, I've not received anything calls. I'm so sorry. Ah, uh, she's got at least 17 times. My daughters are the best, baby. They love you more than anything else in the world. They love you more than anything else in the world. But they'll lie to you. <laughs> I guess. Maybe she's telling the truth. I I'm mean, not necessarily calling her a liar. I mean, I called the number that you gave me. So, unless that's not the oh, number. Oh, so it's my fault, though. No. And it would ring and ring and ring, which tells me that the number is active. Yeah. And then I would get this automated British lady. Well, you have reached a voicemail of this number you're trying to reach. It's <laughs> a pretty good English accent. Oh, thank you very much. Now my Irish. Well, we'll just have to rebook her, I guess. <laughs> we don't have time to do it now because O'Reilly's coming on, and we got two guests next hour with Takapina and Danny, so we don't have time for Ava today. But my daughter will get uh, will get on this show one of these days. Uh, tomorrow's Veterans Day, so... Maybe Monday for Ava. How about that? Okay. Uh, it seems like that's what we're looking at. Oh, let's at take here. a short break. Bill O'Reilly, Joe Takapina, Danny A. Still to come. But then like boom, black suits fill the room up. With the quickness, talk with the witnesses. Hypnotize up, normalize up. Living memories, turn to fantasies. Ain't no one my bees, can I please? Do what we say, that's the way we kick it. Yeah, you know I mean? Let's see the noisy cricket get wicked on you. With your first, last, and only line of defense against the worst scum of the universe. So don't fear us, cheer us. If you ever get near us, don't jeer us. We're fearless, and my bees freezing up all black. Yes, Men in black. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Friends. The time has come for you to go, is that correct? Uh, that is correct. I have morals uh, and I stick by them. Uh, I think the words justified and unjustified have been thrown around a lot since the weekend. Uh, and I think the BBC's refusal to use the correct terminology is unjustified. Uh, words are quite literally fundamental to the English language. They impact how we think, how we react, how we act. They have influence. Uh, the phrase freedom fighter distracts from the reality of terrorism. To those easily influenced, it implies what is not. These people aren't freedom fighters. They are not as John Simpson refers to them as gunmen. They are terrorists. And there are probably people watching who will be thinking, this boy, my God, has thrown it all away because of some words. But terminology, words, when neglected, have the power to fuel hate. They have the power to put fuel on the fire. And Peter, believe me, as a Jewish person, there is already enough fuel on that fire. I know I'd go from rags to riches. So I couldn't get Ava on from England today. She'll, uh, she'll be here Monday. I'd put her on tomorrow, but we have our Veterans Day show. So the best I can do was that gentleman, Noah Abrams. I love that guy. He actually just quit the BBC. He quit. He's a British Jew, and he is sick and tired of the media referring to these animals, these terrorists, these murderers, as freedom fighters. Uh, that happens here in the United States, too, folks. CNN, MSNBC, they've done the same, as well as all these idiot kids on the streets 
They're not freedom fighters. They're murderers. They're terrorists. So Noah Abrams, see, if I own this station, which I don't, John does, but John would hire this guy in a heartbeat because John's got a huge heart, loves the Jewish people. Noah Abrams is a hero. Take your job and shove it up your ass. They are murderers. They're terrorists. Freedom fighters. You know, that uh, filthy, disgusting porn star that you like, uh, Justin. No, 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 no. You can't do that. Mia Khalifa. <laughs> yes. She's a uh, Palestinian, and um, well, she got fired by Playboy a couple of weeks ago, and I believe all the sites took all of her videos down. You know, at one point, she was following the massacre live on her phone, and she actually sent a message that said... Hey, freedom fighters, she called them freedom fighters, can you please turn your phones horizontal so we can see more of the good that you guys are doing? That actually happened. I, I'm aware, yeah. You feel guilty now all those times that you... No, I, because I don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sit here and I mean, you just utter silence. Well, it's so ridiculous. Oh, I don't do that. Okay, fine. I'm very pure. You are very pure. Thank right? you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Congratulations to uh, Noah Abrams. That's my guy right there. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Oh, Bill O'Reilly loves REO Speedwagon. I don't know how you knew that. Folks, he was the best. He still is the best. He'll always be the best, whether it's 9 p.m. right here, weeknights on WABC, or his own amazing website, BillOReilly.com. Great interviews, TV show, amazing columns. I read his column every day. Every morning, he also does these uh, great morning messages on um, it's on our show about seven thirty every weekday morning. The Killing series has killed it, every one of them. Right now, Killing the Witches, and people are still talking about that wonderful night that he put together. I did nothing that he put together at the Paramount Theater in Huntington. He is the all-time best, Bill O'Reilly, and I'm going to ask Bill a question right now that I got from a listener moments ago, one of my favorite people. His name is Ralph Napolitano. Him and his brother own Ann and Tony's, a very good Italian restaurant on Arthur Avenue in the Bronx. And this does pertain to what Bill talked about on the morning message on this show just earlier today. And it goes like this, Bill. Do all these American college kids supporting Hamas and calling them freedom fighters know that if given the opportunity, Hamas would slaughter them and their families? Do they know? They don't care. Um, So some of them know and some of them don't. Very parallel to when I was in college during the Vietnam War. So I remember uh, people holding up signs of uh, Ho Chi Minh. Remember that? Ho, 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 Chi Minh. You know, he was the greatest guy ever. Greatest guy at Ho Chi Minh. Man, slaughtered millions of people. And, you know, the same thing is happening. So I don't give these college kids a pass because they have to know 
that the Islamists, the jihadists, are murderers, who they're supporting murderers. That's what they're doing. Now, you couldn't do that after 9-11 because it was the United States who had 3,000 bodies. And if you did that, you would have been ostracized immediately. But when it's Israel, you can do it because it's not here and people don't understand what's going on over there. Look, can you imagine if at the Huntington stage, all right, so Rosenberg O'Reilly, we're live, 1,000 people there, okay? I paraded one of these college persons out there for a debate with me over their support of Hamas. Can you imagine what oh, would have happened please. on that stage? <laughs> Come on. Come on. I mean, the kid would have been in a coma <laughs> after 90 seconds. I know. <laughs> so I do tend to give these kinds of people a pass in their ignorance. The, the problem is that it's a contagion. Well, here's the other problem. It's a contagion, yes. But is it ignorance or hate? I feel like these kids are so ready and willing and able to hate. It's not just ignorance. There's hate involved here, too, whether it's supporting BLM, who clearly doesn't care about black lives. They'd be in Chicago every weekend, not collecting millions. And by the way, BLM is anti-Zionist. So to me, yeah, it's a little worse than just than just ignorant. They are hateful people. No? Well, I hesitate to blanket all of them, and, and I just want to correct you one thing. The Black Lives Matter movement isn't anti-Zionist. It's anti-Semitic. It's both. You're right. You're right. Okay? Yeah. It, 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 that right. movement despises Jewish people across the board. You don't have to be a Zionist. Okay? You, all you have to do is have a heritage. And they're not going to like you. And that's a deep-seated thing in some of the radical black precincts. And it has to do with the economy and landlords and all of that kind of thing. All right? So you've got to bring some history into this. The problem on college campuses, and New York City is the nexus for this, Columbia, NYU, City College, is that these students – do not know any history whatsoever. They're ciphers. All right, you're talking to people who maybe have a third grade grasp of the world. They don't know geopolitics. They they couldn't on a map find Iran. You gave them a black a blank map, they couldn't find Iran. I, I doubt if they could find Israel. I know, but that's all true. But can they find their parents? I mean, our parents. I mean that. You know, I I point this out. What is it, 40% of New York City school children don't go to school now? They're truant? I mean, the, the problem with these criminal kids and with the hater kids is that their parents are gone. They're derelict. They're irresponsible. In, our, in my house or your house, we, I wouldn't tolerate hatred from my children toward anybody, would you? No way. No way. It would not happen. And if they didn't go to school, I have a tree outside on my front lawn. <laughs> okay? They, I'd say, you got a choice. You could, If you don't go to school, I'm going to tie you to the tree for the five hours. Now, I'd probably be arrested. Right. Uh, all right? But that couldn't happen. No, I mean, forget about not even going to school. I can tell you that uh, Gaby was late on a science 
homework, late on his science homework. He's in school. The kid just got straight A's, and it was a it was a good little uh, mouth in there from Danielle. So yes, we take all of this very very seriously. Yes, yes, and but the point is that babies are not born with hatred. They have to learn it, and they learn it primarily from their parents. So in Gaza, if you are a baby, by the time you're four, you hate Jews. Okay, that's just the fact. That's what happens many, many places in the Muslim world, the madrasas, all of this. Do you think these kids know any of that? But I I just want to give one more caveat. You, when you reach the age of reason and you are still a hater, then it goes on you. You can't blame your parents. So if you're still a hater, you're still anti-Semitic or anti-black or whatever it may be, it's on you. And usually that's a neurosis. You don't get happy people hating people. You get miserable people hating people. Miserable people are hating people. You're exactly right. So last night, Bill, was this uh, GOP debate in Miami. And uh, I didn't watch one second of it. I came in early. I get in very early before the show. So I heard, I can't stand Vivek, but I heard his cuts. And I heard Nikki and um, stupid fat Chris Christie and Ron and all these folks. And, well, it's just a waste of time because... At this point, Trump is up like a 1,000 points, not a 100, not 200, like a 1,000. So they're wasting their time. They're wasting our time. If they were smart, they'd go the Tim Scott route and not bash him because he can get a job in his administration. But he's right down the road, Bill, in Hialeah. He's got, like, thousands of people, and he's saying things like, keep indicting me. It's making me better. It's making me win. I mean, it's unbelievable. You watch a debate which has... Zero juice, zero, and the guy down the road indicted four times, all kinds of issues. He's running away with this. Yeah, I can't really comment. I was watching the Country Music Awards. You, you know. did? No, you didn't. Did you really? Yeah. yeah. Um, no. I, oh, because I thought you saw Jelly Roll. Uh, a little jest. <laughs> um, I, I like country music, but I don't know really. I actually gave out an award at the Country Music Awards with Naomi Judd. Come on. Yeah. Um, and I got to meet all of them. It was a great night. But uh, the best part of the debate was uh, the uh, Ramaswamy going after Nikki Haley's daughter about TikTok. Right. That had nothing to do with the country. It had nothing to do with anything. All right. But it was entertaining. And I thought that uh, Ambassador Haley was going to pull a uh, Oscar award and we'll slap him. <laughs> you know, I'm going, hey, maybe that's going to be a rerun. Um, and I'm sure Chris Rock was watching and goes, oh, my God, it's going to happen again. Um, but Ramaswamy hurt himself. I mean, he can't go after the families, and, and he did, and, you know, he shouldn't have. Um, as far as everything else is concerned in the debate, it's the same old stuff. And you're right. People are bored by it. And then Trump is wailing, uh, you know, in Hialeah. Um, and Trump knows he's got it locked. He knows he's going to win the nomination. Now it's a matter of him positioning himself to try to win over some independence so he can get back in the White House. Now, I don't know if, you know, I, I don't know if there is a strategy on the part of the Trump campaign to do that. 
Well, isn't he doing it now? I mean, the latest, you're talking about Siena and CNN, not exactly Trump-favored polls, have him with big leads in five of the six swing states. Yeah, but that that, that could dissipate, you know, but in a heartbeat. But why? why would, again, I keep hearing that, but what, is he going to get indicted? What, is he going to get arrested? No, 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 it's not about Trump, by the way. Um, those polls are about Biden. Biden is such a, a drastic failure. So I'm writing a book now called Confronting the Presidents. No spin uh, analysis from Washington to Biden. That, that book will be out next September. Every really? president oh, is, com- is coming under my scrutiny. Every single one from Washington every, to every Biden. One. Okay? Oh, okay. I'm telling you who they really were and what they really did. Wait, you're not going to take a shot at Ronald Reagan, are you? Uh, I wrote a book called Killing Reagan. I know. I know. You know and I, it was a shot. I, I'm a historian. I report what happened. <laughs> okay? But anyway, um, Biden is so terrible. Yeah. And what are the odds, the over-under in Vegas, of him recovering? Zero. Zero. It's like, um, you know, Dallas playing the Giants. I think the spread is 87. <laughs> I mean, Biden is not no. going to recover. No. And, and people are suffering. Literally suffering. Uh, I mean, it, it, people can't afford the necessities. The border is – you can't defend it. Um, and so it's this movement toward, look, we, we don't necessarily like Trump, but this guy is hurting us. This Biden guy is hurting us. And that's what you saw in those polls. I think that will continue. But what Trump has to do is pull back a little bit from, you know, the daily uh, angst and and run as a statesman because he's got the stats on his side. Well, it looks like whatever he's done so far, like I was critical of Trump early on for bashing DeSantis, and he bashed DeSantis to death, to be honest. So I'm at the point now where I'm kind of, me, just me, I'm very anecdotal. I'm laying back on bashing Trump on what he does and doesn't do because whatever he's done against all odds is working in his favor. And I'll ask you this. The Democrats agree with you, and they know exactly what you're talking about. They see those polls, and they agree that it's less about Trump and more about their guy. So the question is, what the hell do the Democrats do? How can they possibly put this guy out there again? Well, there's heavy pressure on Biden to resign like LBJ did. Okay, heavy, heavy pressure. You don't see a guy like Barack Obama, who is the head of the Democratic Party. All right. He is far and away the most powerful, influential member of that party. You don't see him go out and say, you know, uh, we all have blood on our hands here in the Middle East. And what he was doing was criticizing Biden. He didn't mention Biden. But Biden's very cut and dry. We're going to support Israel, okay? And the uh, the uh, Hamas crew, no. But then you get Obama come out going, hey, you know, it's a little more nuanced. That doesn't happen. If you think back, Obama has been largely silent under the three years of chaos under Biden. Isn't it ever criticized him? Nothing. When he came out, I went, aha. There's the message right there. And then Axelrod, who's the consigliere to Obama, he goes on CNN and says pretty much the same thing. You know, he's too old. He's got to think about it, the good of the country. So the Democrats want out of Joe Biden. And now with the Hunter Biden thing being, you know, he's subpoenaed with Jim. I can't imagine those guys answering any questions. They're going to come in and take the fifth. Right. 
Okay, I mean, they're not answering questions, but just the fact that they take the fifth and they're there, and it, you know, it's it's like uh, the Godfather Part Two, where Michael Corleone is. <laughs> I want an apology, Senator. I want an apology. You know, it's like once you're in there, and the, and these Republican Senator uh, House uh, Congress people are just lobbing accusation after accusation after accusation. I mean, I don't see where Biden's strength is anywhere. No, I don't All either. Right? No, I, he I, might I, not even carry the Bronx. <laughs> no, he, he will. Oh, I, I got to tell you, the last poll I saw, Trump's only down seven in New York. That's embarrassing for the Democrats. And Trump will win Long Island, where I am. Oh my God, Long Island's gone red. They've gone completely red. Both yeah. uh, county executives, Bruce Blakeman and Ed Romaine. Long Island's the best place to live in the country at this point. But I do want to stick with the House uh, Republicans. Anthony D'Esposito was one of those guys, Long Island guy, good friend of mine. And uh, he was on, uh, I believe, yesterday, and he was talking about how the House did censure Rashida Tlaib. And I have to tell you, Bill, that a lot of my listeners are so happy now that they have no idea what censure means. But at least they feel like they it means nothing. It means for what for like an hour they can yell at this lady and then it's business as usual. But at least people feel like people are being exposed and people care. Is that fair? Fair. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I always equate censure with my fifth grade teacher, Sister Carolyn. So when I would misbehave, which was pretty much every hour on the hour, yeah. I then had to leave the classroom. Yeah, that was it. Okay. Yeah. But the, that was good. I liked it. I said, okay, thank you. <laughs> right? Because then I had to sit there and listen to the boring nun tell me about gerunds, and I had no idea what that was and didn't care. So that's what censure is. Yeah. It brings more attention. And, and look, this woman, Tlaib, and the rest of this uh, squad, I mean, these are hardcore communist people. They're not socialists. They're hardcore communists. Oh, Nazis, too, because they hate the Jews. Well, no, you don't have to be a Nazi. The second to persecuting the Jews in modern times is Russia. Under Stalin, and even today in Russia under Putin, Jews are eighth-class citizens. And the pogroms that Stalin and the communists set up to persecute Jews, they weren't as bad as the death camps the Nazis did. But believe me, they were designed to punish Jews because of their heritage. Right. So you don't have to be a Nazi. You can be a communist. I don't know any communist country that accepts Jews. Well, let's talk about Arabs, too, because a smart man once said, not every Arab is a terrorist. But whether it's 9-11 or what's happening in Israel, every terrorist seems to be an Arab. Well, yeah. Is that, is that unfair? Mean, they got a big problem in the Muslim world, and there's no leadership at all there, um, and because the radicals run the religion, just like the progressives run the Democratic Party. Not all Democrats are progressives. They're not all socialists. They're not? No, <laughs> there are reasonable Democrats. Uh, I know, too. Um, I know, too. And there, listen, there's a poll out. I'm going to do it on the No Spin News tonight, BillOReilly.com, a tip poll. It says 40% of the Democrats support Hamas in this country. 40%? 4-0. 
That's a very unnerving and despicable number. I don't believe the poll because this is not a reliable outfit, but I'm reporting it because it's on the record. And that's what Debbie Wasserman Schultz, you know her, right? I lived in Boca. She's in Fort Lauderdale. Not a big fan. She said that any Democrat who supports Hamas is evil. Well, she's an Orthodox Jew, so of course she's going to say that. Right, right. But she's turning on her own party here. Good. Good for her. Good. So there's a lot of complexities um, around all of this. But if you just step back, and I hope that all WABC listeners are capable of that at this point. There is a clear line in this country of who is hurting the country. It's the progressive left that's hurting the country, and Biden is their guy. And, and that's it. You can hate Trump all day long, all right? But he's not doing – in his four years, he didn't do nearly the damage no. that Biden has done in three. And Biden is guilty, you should call the Better Business Bureau, of bait and switch. Because he promised us when he ran, he was not going to be that progressive guy. He was going to be a moderate Democrat, and he's anything but. No, and but he doesn't know what he's saying from day to day. <laughs> I mean, he just doesn't know. And everybody goes, oh, Riley. Cuomo did that last night to me on News Nation. Uh, you don't like Biden. It's not, I don't have anything against Biden personally. He's a terrible president. Yeah. All right? I hate him personally now, too. Just hear 50 me. ways. <laughs> And if you don't believe it, it's because you don't want to believe it. Well, that's true. Especially right. Chris Cuomo, yes. Well, no, I mean, look, I'm not disparaging him. Well, I know you like him. You want his show. I'm a line of, of yeah. Democrats. Let me do that. Turn on his own. Let me do that. I'll disparage him. <laughs> and his brother. I hate them both. But that's okay. I mean, it's a great uh, segment you do every week with him. It's an important segment because the truth is what you do with Chris Cuomo needs to be done because – Chris Cuomo will never publicly agree, but maybe, just maybe, on a very cold, dark night about 4 in the clock in the morning, Chris Cuomo will go back to something that you said. He'll never say it on TV, but he'll say, you know what? Bill O'Reilly was right. We need our voices to speak to those people. That's right. You've got to engage them. And I've seen, by the way, uh, a change in Cuomo. He's not nearly as... Uh, defend he doesn't defend biden all right nearly as much as he used to because it's indefensible americans can't buy homes because the mortgage rates are too high all right they're approaching eight percent under trump they were three percent what what do you need all right 1.4 inflation under trump 10 percent inflation on necessities under biden what else do you need talk about the kids not knowing anything I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here, and Biden will carry New York City. And you look at these people and go, what, why yeah. on earth would you support the second worst president in the history of this country? Uh, look, we just had city council elections, too. And you got a guy yeah, in Bay Ridge named Justin Brannan who defunds the police, who actually, you know, uh, was very sympathetic to 5,000 pro-Palestinian protesters who ended up beating up the cops, by the way. And that guy won in a landslide. Listen, in certain precincts in New York City, they're socialists now. It's not Democrat-Republican anymore. These are hardcore socialists. And I don't know if people understand that, that it's gone way beyond the Democratic Party. It's into... We want what you have. So 
and we're going to vote for people who are going to take it from you and give it to us. That's socialism. And that's where these precincts are now. There's no reason or rational, nothing. It's we're socialists. You give me your stuff. That's what's going on in New York City. Wow. Uh, listen, that was just an amazing segment. There was over 20 minutes, and I really want to keep going. That's how great you are. But I guess at some point we have to pay the bills. But just another amazing appearance, Bill O'Reilly. I love you. Thank you so much. All right, Sid. Always fun. Thanks you for too. having me in. You are the Thank best. You. Really are the best. 9 p.m. weeknights. Don't miss it, folks. The No Spin Show with Bill O'Reilly. Of course, check out his great website, BillOReilly.com. We are very lucky to have Bill O'Reilly. That's a very smart man. 8.40 every Thursday morning. Joe Tacopina, Danny A. Still to come. Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends who say he's just a friend. Oh, you my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi. Oi. And she will attempt to distance herself from the company. But unfortunately, the facts will reveal that, in fact, that she was very much involved. We uncovered the scheme. Um, and she benefited from it personally. Um, and um, Ms. Uh, Trump will do all that she can to try uh, to separate herself from this corporation. But she's inextricably tied to the Trump Organization um, and to these properties uh, that she helped secure financing for. There she is, folks. You're racist, despicable. She should be disbarred. Attorney General Letitia James, one of President Trump's attorneys, his best attorney. In fact, he's the best defense attorney in the country, in the world. I don't care if it's Milan, Brooklyn, or Washington, D.C. There's no better attorney in the world than my dear friend of 46 years, the very handsome and rugged big-time Ranger fan, and still the owner of the most NCAA penalty minutes in college hockey history at Skidmore, the great Joe Tacopino. Good morning, Joseph. Yeah, good morning. Really morning. I mean, this is, you know, when we talked about doing this from L.A. last week, I was fine. It's 6 a.m. here. I, <laughs> my, my motor doesn't really get going until about 9, so we'll give us a shot. Sid. We'll, All right, well, you are in L.A. Well, now that you mentioned you're in L.A., let's get to that story first, because I've got about eight minutes, but I want to cover three stories with you. We'll get back to Ivanka Trump in a second. But you're in L.A. because you lead the league in celebrity clients from Leonardo to Foxy Brown to Alex Rodriguez to Lilo Brancato. The list goes on and on. But you are representing ASAP Rocky. And, of course, he's married to Rihanna. That trial uh, going on in L.A. right now, how's that thing going? No, it's actually. 
actually we're at the preliminary hearing stage in California. They have this, this, this strange but very beneficial process where before the trial in a criminal case, if it's a felony, you get preliminary hearings, which we don't have in New York. And basically yeah, one bite of the apple before the, the jury comes into play. Um, so it's, it was yesterday was a very interesting day. We had the, uh, the complainant, uh, the former friend of, of Rocky, claiming he was shot by Rocky or shot at by Rocky, depending on which version of his story you want to hear. Um, and I think it pretty much fell apart yesterday, according to most media reports anyway. But being there, it was clear that this, uh, this case is not going to withstand scrutiny any further, especially when it gets to a jury. So it's going well. But, you know, this little process to go through, we have this case, we have civil cases, um, but there's some nice surprises coming coming the way of this uh, this complainant who's looking to get very rich off a uh, scrape on his knuckles that he claims was done by a, <laughs> yeah. a bullet a bullet so it's uh, it's it's just that that uh, a case that has to be it's a serious case because it's obviously it's a felony and he's facing serious jail time and he's got two beautiful kids with Rihanna but he, he's going to be fine and we're going to go through this and and he'll uh, he'll be vindicated. Well, of course, he's going to be fine. He's got the best attorney in the world, and you actually like him. Like I know that you care about I all your clients. So yeah, you actually like uh, Aesop Rocky and Rihanna. So I would say that uh, the other guy's in big, big trouble. Let's get to Ivanka Trump. You heard Tish James there yelling. Oh, listen, she can claim that she's not a part of it, but Ivanka's part of it, just like Eric and Don Jr. and her father. And I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. I mean, anybody with a with, with a brain knows that this is uh, one of the most ridiculous cases in the history. You got a city and state that's falling apart, and this is all this AG seems to care about. I've asked Alan Dershowitz, I've asked Judge Napolitano earlier today, can we disbar this woman? That's probably not going to happen. But at the very least, she should be ashamed of herself. Well, she should be ashamed of herself if she doesn't believe her own BS, but she believes her own BS. I mean, that's the problem. I and mean, look, this is what I, I'll go back to this one point that I will stay from the mountaintops because it's the point that really shows you the true colors and what's going on in this case. She, when we, she, she was campaigning for Attorney General, Letitia James went on to campaign on the fact that she was going to get Donald Trump. Here's the problem with a statement like that when you're campaigning for a law enforcement office. She wasn't a law enforcement official at that time. She was a private citizen who did not have access to evidence, didn't have subpoena power, wasn't running an investigation. How did she know she was going to get down? Well, that's well. There you go. So hold on, but hold on. But that's but that's why I said to Napolitano because I'm not that smart. Trust me, I'm not a legal guy like you are. But that's why I said to Judge Knapp and Alan Dershowitz, this smells like something to me, something to me that she can be disbarred for because you just laid it out. How did she know? She knew because she didn't. It wasn't a statement based on the facts that she had uncovered. Because she wasn't even a, in the attorney general's office yet. She was a, a private citizen running for office, so she had no evidence. It was the, you know she had the same amount of evidence as all of us had, but she didn't know. But she knew what her political position was going to be, and she was going to use this as a stepping stone to go further. You know, she wants to become governor. She has aspirations, and she thinks this is going to be the case that. You know, it emboldens her to become a, a, a national hero. She takes down Trump. The problem with this case is one, it's a jo- it's a joke. It is a joke uh, because no one lost money. Uh, disclaimers were made that these were private um, assessments that they were not audited financials. That that Deloitte, the bank, um, sorry, Deutsche Bank should do their own their own due diligence, which they did. But but it's it just doesn't seem to matter. It's just get him, get him, get him. Look. There are cases like this, cases like the Manhattan District Attorney, Stormy Daniels case, uh, that, that, that just don't belong in courtrooms and are only there because of who he is. 
you know, then, then there's the cases in Washington, D.C., Georgia, um, Florida. Those are, those are cases that are more serious. I still think they're all politically motivated, but there are at least cases that you have to pay attention to. This case here, don't forget, nothing happens at the end of this. It's a civil case. Nothing's going to happen. Um, what, she's going to find, he's going to, the judge's going to find him some money that's not going to really make a dent in his pocketbook? It doesn't matter. This was a mistake to bring because it's, it's giving him a platform, the president, to exp- express his grievances. And people believe that this case, look, look what's happening here. Ivanka Trump dragged into this for no reason. The appellate court dismissed Ivanka from the case. They dismissed her. But Letitia James was talking about her being a, a co-conspirator in something that, you know, never really happened because there was no fraud here. You're exactly right. Okay, let's move to story number three, Joseph Takapina, which is something else I brought up with uh, Dersh, who I'm going to see tonight. They made a documentary about him. They're making the movies in the East Village. And Danielle and I are going to uh, see the movie with Alan, take him out for dinner afterwards, and Judge Knapp. And um, that is these rallies. And uh, my question is very simple. When does freedom of speech, the First Amendment, become hate speech? You've got people out there screaming genocide to the Jews, kill the Jews, from the river to the sea. There's no word murder in there, but that implies kill the Jews. So, Joseph Takapina, when does freedom of speech become hate speech? You know, that, that type of rhetoric, rhetoric is hate speech. It's not necessarily illegal. Sid. I mean, if it were, there would be many, many people in jail. What you cannot do is cross the line between hate speech and incitement. Okay, the courts have really the courts have defined all this, right? The courts have narrowly defined incitement as expression that pushes imminent lawless action. Um, anything short of that definition is protected speech under the First Amendment. Which, by so, the way, and you know what's a perfect uh, proof of that? Jack Smith was dying to charge Donald Trump with incitement on January sixth, but he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Right, and that's exactly right. Look. You can, they, they, you can argue, you can plant the seeds of violence in people. You, you can rile up a crowd even, and sometimes the violence follows. But as long as you don't incite violence, it has to be it's a very fine line. But, you know, it, it's something that you have to be very attentive to because free, First Amendment rights in this country are very, very, very important. We start, we start curbing speech, free speech, we're in trouble. But, again, there is a line. You can't yell, you know, you've heard this before, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, okay? Um, because you put people at risk. So there's a, there's a strong, strong difference between hate speech and, and, and free speech and what draws the line. So it's, it's, it's something that we have to pay attention to, especially in the world we live in now. But, but you know, it, it's, it's, as I said, there is a line to be crossed. And when you incite, when you incite, when you say something that incites violence, that is no longer protected free speech. So, uh, you know, there's Supreme Court cases on this. I mean, Virginia versus Black, um, and, and, and that was when Sandra Day O'Connor described true threats as statements in which the speaker means to communicate serious expression of an intent to commit an act of unlawful violence to a particular individual group of individuals. In other words, the more specific the the immediate threat, the more likely it will be regarded as illegal and not protected speech. You know, it's one thing to say, said, let's use this. It's one thing to say, kill all the Jews versus kill that Jew who has my kid's school teacher who gave him an F. Gotcha. Okay? It, yeah. it, it, that's, the that's great. So. That's great. No, that's great, man. That's a, that is a great example, Joseph. This is why you're the best. I love you. In the final 30 seconds, you are Joseph Takapina. You are the industry standard. Doesn't matter whether you're Al Sharpton, Sean Hannity, Donald Trump, Sid Rosenberg. You want 
Joe Tacopina in your corner. So with that said, as you're in Los Angeles today, defending a major, major superstar, Aesop Rocky and his beautiful wife, Brianna, please tell me that the great Joe Tacopina is staying in Beverly Hills and not Los Angeles. Of course, the peninsula of Beverly Hills. Jim Assisi, the manager here. They I, knew me. Sid, I knew it. I knew it. They embroidered my pillow sheets. It had no. a JT on my pillow. I swear to God, it's a new picture I'm done here. I'm oh my. Like this. I walked in. My pillows have JTs on them. So what happens? Do I get to take these pillow sheets? I, I think I'm going to take them. Oh, you have to. Know you know, the first time I saw that was this weekend. They had that ridiculous BravoCon for the housewives in Vegas. And every housewife had their initials embroidered on the pillow. You got the same thing in Beverly Hills? It's crazy. Yeah, I do. I, wow. I, I, good I, for I, you. Yeah, yeah, it's very exciting. Very, very exciting. You are the I best. I Los Angeles, aside from the traffic and the fact that there's no centralized downtown. You have to walk everywhere. I, I, what I really hate about Los Angeles is that the Ranger games are on at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> by, by, by 9 o'clock here, when I'm just getting rolling, I know. Sporting I know. the world is over. That's why I, I, my, my, my first ever radio partner is Scott Kaplan. I love him to death. We're very, very close. He lives in San Diego. I go, Scott, I cannot watch football at 10 o'clock in the morning. He's like, why? Then you have the whole day afterwards. I go, I don't want the whole day. I want the day to end with football, right? <laughs> I, was here, I was here on Sunday at like 6.30 at night. It was, everything no. was over. I know. I'm, like, I'm getting ready to watch a game now. I know. It's, it's hilarious. Okay. It's just a weird place. Oh, I know. Not to separate me. I love you, man. You, uh, you're the best. You're, you're a great, great radio partner, but tremendous attorney. Good luck with ASAP Rocky today. We'll do it again. Thank you, brother. Excellent job. Joseph Tacopino, live from Los Angeles. We'll take a short break. When we get back, the actor strike is over. The man that gave me my very first ever movie role, an inside man, an unbelievable actor himself, unbelievable. He's going to join us. Plus, he was born in Israel, the great Danny A. He's coming up. He was too far from home. Entertaining and informative. You're my best friend. 77 WABC. For Danny A, when I get to his IMDb, you'll know why Layla Instrumental. But I do want to read this first. Bo Deedle, who was also great in Inside Man and a bunch of other movies he starred with uh, Danny. I think he was on Lansky, Mobtown, all of them. He's going to be hosting 465 U.S. Marines in honor of the Marine Corps birthday, which comes up November the 10th. It'll be held at Sparks Restaurant tonight. I did watch Get Gotti on Netflix. That's where uh, Gotti took out Paul Castellano. Over 18 years ago, Bo hosted seven Marines, including David Myers, who was blown up in Iraq. Now it's become one of the largest grouping in honor of the greatest U.S. Marines. 465 Marines 
at Sparks tonight. Great job, Bo. So the uh, actor strike is over, and uh, it is time to get back to work. Let me uh, read this to you. Danny's like a young kid, man. He's not old like me. He's young. This kid, Holy Rollers, the Iceman, Wolf of Wall Street. First we take Brooklyn. That was a good one. The Irishman, Inside Man, and The Engineer, both of those this summer. Gave me my first opportunity, which I treasure, in Inside Man. Mob Town, Lansky, the Jackie Ryan story. Jackie's a good buddy of mine. I mean, this guy, he's he's got an unbelievable IMDb. And as much as I'm impressed by all of that, all of that, why I love Danny A is his passion for our people. He was born in Israel. You follow him on Instagram, you'll see. Follow me, too, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, Instagram. But if you follow Danny A, you'll see it. In fact, Nate Buzalik, the, uh, the young actor, who's actually in Israel the last couple of weeks, he was great on this show, and he was given to us by Danny. I'm really proud to call Danny A a friend, more than the Hollywood side, the Israeli side. So here he is, the great writer, director, actor, all of it. My friend, Danny A. Good morning, Danny. Hey, good morning, Sid. Thank you for all that. It's all true. I, You know, I reach out to a lot of people, Um, you know, like women, for example, people like Lizzie Savetsky, married to Dr. Ira here, and um, all these old housewife stars, Jackie Goldschneider in New Jersey, and Siggy Flicker down in Florida, New Jersey, and they're out there every day putting up 30, 40 videos and speaking on behalf of our people, and Look, you know this, Danny, when you're silent, you're complicit. And uh, you were destroyed that morning. I'll never forget how you were that morning. We spoke that day. And you continue to be a huge voice for the Jewish people. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, you were born in Israel, right? Yes. Yeah, so I was born in Israel, and I was raised in New York. At age nine, my parents moved us to Brooklyn. Uh, but, you know. It, 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 you don't have to be born in Israel to love Israel, to understand that Israel is a democracy, the only democracy in the Middle East, the only, the only place where people can feel safe and be themselves. And protecting that is the most important thing. A strong Israel allows Jews around the world to feel confident. So we need to make sure that we're strong and we're united. And uh, and I have a little bit of a voice, and, and I need to uh, express it and, and make sure that people understand. The most important thing that I always tell people is educate yourself. If you really read and understood, not by listening or watching TikTok or Instagram, but if you really read what's going on and understood the history, you would obviously come to the conclusion that Israel is in the right. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing that they say on the other side of occupation and genocide, that those things don't exist. That, 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 that's what, that, that's what misjustice, uh, injustice is the thing that I hate the most. So my, my, my biggest message has always been education. Once you educate yourself and you understand, you'll make the right decision. I'm very, very confident that people will make the right decision. Well, you hope so. The haters may not, but I think you're right. I think you nailed it, Danny. It's more about ignorance than anything else. But, you know, people like Barack Obama, he knows better. And he continues to talk about the difficulty of occupation, how he almost sides with the Palestinians. And Joe Biden has gone back and forth. One day he supports Israel, but he's been supporting Iran forever. So, And then he wants a ceasefire, then he wants a pause. And 
you know, you can't trust him either, are you? I mean, you're, a, you're obviously you're an American now, a New York guy living in Los Angeles as a big-time actor, but are you disappointed, like I am largely, in what this country has stood for since these attacks? Well, I, I got to be honest, and I, I've never been a Joe Biden fan, but uh, but he did stand up for Israel in the most important, crucial time that we needed, and he gave that speech, which gave the Israeli people and the Jewish people around the country, around the world, the confidence to understand that America is behind them. Do I believe in their politics? Do I believe that now everyone's dancing back and forth because there's so much politics involved? Yes. I'm disappointed in people. I'm disappointed in people that obviously have been anti-Semitic their whole life, and all of a sudden it's a trend to be anti-Semitic, and they're out there and expressing themselves. I'm disappointed in people not taking the time to educate themselves. You know, uh, if, I, if, I, if I relied on Obama and Biden, then, uh, then uh, I w- we would not be here. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm relying on the Jewish people pushing and making sure the narrative is right and making sure that the truth comes out. And, and making sure that people are educated and understand what's really going on. You know what's uh, you know what's scary too, Danny. Did. You know what's scary too is uh, you and your beautiful wife, not even married all that long, just had a uh, a beautiful baby not that long ago, uh, less than one, I believe. And um, you know, eventually your child is going to go to college here in America, and you're out there in California. You got uh, you know USC, UCLA, Cal Irvine, a million schools out there, but you see uh, here in New York, which you hear all the time, Danny, Columbia and NYU and City College in Brooklyn. I mean, all these schools are being overrun by pro-Palestinian supporters, these kids wearing the Palestinian garb, singing River to the Sea and wishing death on the Jews. You've got a child, a baby. Doesn't that scare uh, the hell out of you? Scares the hell out of me. I mean, $4.7 billion a year from Qatar goes to these universities. Uh, this has been going on for years, under our nose. We didn't even know. Um, and look, it's scary. I don't know what college my son's going to go to, but I will tell you that just watching what's happening on the campuses, you would think an educated person, someone who's actually taking the time to educate himself, is not paying attention to the actual facts and is just listening to the propaganda of people just making up all these lies. Again, I keep coming back Sid, to the same thing. What scares me is that people don't take the time to read and, and, and do their homework and really understand what's going on in the world, what's going on in that region, what's been going on for years, for 4,000 years. You know, the, the, the word Palestine has come from a Roman king in 74 B.C. that was called Syria, Palestine. It's a Latin word for Palestine. They, it's Palestine. They used it as Palestine. In 1948, when the U.N. voted to give Israel its independence, they wanted a two-state solution. The Palestinians did not accept it. What did they do? The next day, they attacked Israel with six other, five other countries, six countries attacked Israel, thinking, why the hell would we agree to this? We'll just kill them all and take the land. Oh, boy. I mean, we've been going through this for yep. years. 67, yep. the Six-Day War, six countries attacked. 73, the Yom Kippur War, they attacked. And we continue to fight every day. And we continue to fight for something that the U.N. voted and we accepted. And they did it. Now, you know. So much money is coming in. $40 billion has come in to, to uh, the Palestinian government. And none of that money went for infrastructure. No. I don't care who you are. Yep. If you're a 20-year-old guy, a 20-year-old kid, 
you do not throw rocks and fight if you have an infrastructure. You have community centers and clubs and, and beautiful beaches and, and be able to enjoy your life. They suppress them. $11 billion the Hamas leaders are worth. $11 billion. And if people don't have any money in Palestine, people just want to live their life. Hamas took control. When Israel gave back the Gaza Strip in 2005, Hamas was voted in 2007, and all they did was take that money and build these tunnels and, and buy all these missiles and attack Israel. If people don't understand that, and people don't understand what they're, they're standing for, then I just don't know what these colleges are teaching them. Well, I got to say this. I'm going to tell you this, Danny, for a guy that's, uh, you know, a handsome, handsome, rugged Al Pacino lookalike great actor director, you just gave, and I'm being serious, that was one of the best history lessons. I'm being serious on the history of the Jewish people in Israel I've ever heard, down to the dates, the years, the wars. That was tremendous. Tell me about this, uh, Heshi Organbaum checking in, about this uh, great celebrity fundraiser you put together with Noah Tepperberg to support Israel. How did that go? Uh, Noah Tepperberg, my best friend in the whole world, called me. He said, Danny, we need you to come to New York. We're going to do this big charity event. All the hospitality people put their name on it, Jason Pomeran and Kobe Levy and all the big guys. And, you know, I flew in, and and obviously um, I would never miss it. We're doing another one in L.A. We were able to raise $1.1 million wow. to Atsala, United wow. Atsala. That's great. Uh, we're going to do another one in L.A. And, look, everyone, you know, the one thing that I really, you know, in darkness a light comes that everybody is coming together. All the Jews understand what's going on. You know, it's very easy to think, oh, this does not concern me. I don't live in Israel. This concerns every Jew in the world. This concerns every person in the world. This affects everyone. The, a safe Middle East is, is something that every president has tried to, 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 to accomplish and make peace. And I keep telling people, Israel has always agreed <clears throat> to the peace process. And it's never happened. Bill Clinton had a deal on the table. Arafat got a phone call in Camp David and got up, took the call, came back, said no deal. Right. I mean, no, it did happen. It did happen once. Uh, uh, Donald Trump. Uh, we had the Abraham Accords. Uh, Israelis weren't dying when he was president. But outside of Trump, you're right. Listen, I got about 60 seconds to go, but I got to get to this. The actor's strike is over. Uh, you, again, had uh, two big movies this summer, which you uh, directed and starred in both, The Engineer and, of course, uh, the movie that I'll always love you for putting me in inside, man. I just got to know you with I Love Us just a couple of years ago with that very impressive yeah. IMDb. So I have to imagine, Danny, once that strike ended about 8.30 p.m. Eastern time last night, you were getting ready to go back to work, yes? I'm ready to go back to work. You should get ready. Start working out. Because we're... <laughs> We're going to go make this other movie, this next movie called On the Take, a true story uh, that took place in New York in the 90s. I'm excited. Our movie, Inside Man, opened today on Tubi, a streamer that you can watch it. You no longer have to pay to watch it anymore, you know, because it was on VOD for three months. And now it's on Tubi. came out today, November 9th. Awesome. And I'm excited. Look. It's very hard to get back to work. It's very hard to think about, <clears throat> excuse me, anything but what's going on. But we must continue to go. I'm very uh, enthusiastic about this next movie. I'm excited that you're going to be a part of it. Me too. Thank you. Uh, and the Thank great you. Bo Dito. Get the team back together. Uh, and uh, and uh, it's back to, back to work. You know, we still have to continue to uh, 
to protect Israel, protect the Jewish people. And you're doing such a great job. Uh, Sid, I'm very, very proud of you. You got to say how proud you are of me, but I'm very, very proud of you. You have a voice, and, and you're using it for the right reasons, and, and, uh, and uh, you're telling the truth, and that's the most important thing that you're doing. Besides being a great dad and a great host and having a great show, you're a great Jew and a, and a stand-up guy, and I'm proud of you. Oh, my God. That was so beautiful. I can't thank you enough for saying that. That means, Danny A., uh, uh, that means more to me than, believe it or not, any role you may ever give me. That meant a lot. Thank you, thank you, thank you for saying that because that's my job every day. My job every day is to help the Jewish people, help my brothers like you, and uh, to give people hope that one day there will come that day when, in fact, Jews can live amongst everybody else and not worry that they'll be attacked walking down the block because they're wearing a yarmulke. I can't wait to do this next movie. I can't wait to see you again, buddy. I love you. Great job today, as always. Terrific, Danny A. Thank you. Thanks, Sid. Love you, buddy. I love you, too. What a great job. That's Danny A, folks. Entertaining and informative. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Black Coffee in Bed, I love this song, love this song. These guys are great. They also sang Tempted. What is the name of this group again there quickly, Lewis? Squeeze. Very good. The two interviews this hour, both great, Danny and Joseph, brought to you by Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. Check them out today, PeerlessPoilers.com, PavilionTikeless.com. They do build the world's best spoilers. We're done for today. Lou Rafino is always a Hall of Fame work. Justin Ellick, terrific as well. Noam Layden. we got a big Veterans Day show tomorrow. Almost all of our guests tomorrow served somewhere between Kuwait, Iraq, Afghanistan, Vietnam. We've got it all. And nobody loves the cops and the veterans like us. So, until tomorrow, our special Veterans Day coming your way at 6 a.m. From all of us on Sitting Friends in the Morning to all of you, peace! <laughs>